The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes. Okay, man, let's turn and burn. Are you not entertained? Here we go. The official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. 4.06 on a Wednesday. Is it cold out? Somebody tell me if it's cold out. Drew, is it in fact cold out? You're near the window. Yeah, go run to that Tim's for me and grab me another coffee. And uh, that'll answer your question. It's dangerously cold out. I was out on Sunday, I think. I had to walk something out to the garbage can, so through the garage, out into the open. I was in, like, sleep shorts and a T-shirt, and I'm like, this is fine. This is just fine. Today, oh, it has a real bite to it. Yeah, I I do the same thing, and I learned the hard way as well. So luckily, my wife was home, and the door froze shut, and she was able to open it from the inside, or might not be here right now. Abby, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, when it's, I mean, today it's what, minus 31, they said in the news. When it's not minus 31, you're, it's remarkable how resilient you are to it. Well, I was saying that uh, the other night I went outside to do something on my little patio there, and it was minus 18, and I was like, I had shorts on it. And just, you know, shuffling a couple things, it was like tolerable. Even though the day before, <laughs> when it was minus 30-something, I could not go outside without a jacket and like fully bundled up because it was freezing who needs a trip to mexico as soon as it warms up to minus 18 it'll feel like you're on the beach after this there you go minus what? nine friday is gonna be a holiday boys <laughs> is it is that the forecast yeah, oh friday okay. minus nine i have never seen a sustained run of minus 30s like we've had so far but we are getting through and we are bringing you great sports chat here on the cage a ton of football a ton of riders and some NHL to talk about. TSN football expert Farhan Lalji at 4.30. We'll talk some CFL. Uh, I'm going to tease Farhan about his uh, college football beliefs because they are just the absolute polar opposite of mine. And should you not vote for a guy for MVP because he's a jerk? The conversation we will have that's going on in the NFL. John Hodge of Three Down Nation at 5.05 on why Canadians are so expensive in the Canadian Football League and what... I got a thought on what could be done about that. If you want to massage your salary cap a little bit, how much you could trim that back. Alan Mitchell, you know him as Low Tide of TSN 1260 and The Athletic on the Oilers because, oh, there's storyline or two from the Oilers before their game tonight, Drew. Connor McDavid has COVID. Nobody can stop any pucks. Are they taking the Huskies head coach to be their new head coach? There's a lot going on in Edmonton right now. Yeah, I'm numb to it all now, DT, because I've been an Oilers fan my whole life, and uh, I even remember the Curtis Joseph days. I was a little kid. I was saying the other day, that's the last time they had a legitimate starting goaltender, other than maybe Dwayne Rolison. And Mike Smith and Cam Talbot for just the one seasons that they played well. It's crazy. Is it really Cujo? Was the last time? I think it is. Like I, I would just go back to like Grant Fuhr and Bill Ranford. So we're talking nineteen ninety. There's got to be somebody since then. It's remarkable. Curtis Joseph was unbelievable. Absolutely, that guy was so good at every one of his stops. Problem is that was what twenty five years ago now. Yeah, and as as Low Tide will talk about, he wrote in his column, "Hey, there's guys the Oilers could go get. Absolutely, but you got to get them to take on a bunch of your own money." And, oh, by the way, uh, this Miko Koskinen deal is getting in the way. And, oh, by the way, the Duncan Keith deal, which everybody kind of laughed at at the time. 
is prohibiting them from making some deals right now, just from a salary cap perspective. So, man, the Oilers. And then the one thing I want from Low Tide is, what the hell did it look like without Connor McDavid? Yeah, like, they've, yeah, their power play, I was looking at their projected lineup for tonight. It's crazy. You see the gaps in their lineup super fast. Yeah. Well, and the teams have been catching on at how good the power play of the Oilers have been, right? So if you look back at recent games, um, some teams have taken no penalties. There's been no power plays, right, for the Oilers. So it's affecting why they're not winning, essentially, because they were so dominant yeah. on the power play. Mm-hmm. But if you stay out of the penalty box, uh, you got to beat them five on five. Yeah, if they're going to score on you 40% of the time on the power play, eh, maybe just don't take penalties. Like 24 to 27 games, they've let the first goal in. That that can't happen. I'm sorry? Yeah, 24 of 27 times or something close to that, they've allowed the first goal of the game. So, I uh, the, the Edmonton Oilers. Of, yes, <laughs> that's crazy. And yet they have a, they have a winning record well, that's despite what happens, that. Like Abby was saying, when you get six power plays a game and score on four of them, that's until teams figure out how to not take penalties, you look good. But that quickly disappears, and, and those gaps are exposed as soon as you know teams figure it out. Incredible yeah. uh, hockey talk with Alan Mitchell. <laughs> low tide coming up at five thirty. Uh, Alan's going to join us as a regular contributor to the Cage. Very excited for the new year and a lot of hockey talk coming up with one of the absolute smartest writers out there and uh, radio guys out there, Alan Mitchell. The text line is 306-936-6262. It's brought to you by the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. It's the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. And following yesterday where we talked about how Chris Jones doesn't think Cody Fajardo is a top five quarterback. Uh, it's That's nonsense. And it's actually quite insulting when you see the quarterback play that there was in the league in 2021. But beyond that, what is your ideal quarterback situation going into training camp this year? Camp is only four months away, but there's some questions to be answered. One, the first question, are you confident enough in Cody Fajardo? If you are, cool. What about number two? Isaac Harker disappeared from the roster the last couple games of the 21 season. Mason Fine was the backup. Where do you go there? Do you do you hope that perhaps Paxton Lynch will get vaccinated and come back? <laughs> are you interested in one of the free agents available? Because there are obviously a ton of free agents available. What is your ideal quarterback situation for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for 2022? Hit me up on the text line. You can also at Sports Cage on the old Twitter box. Uh, where are we on on uh, start off Cody Fajardo? Yeah, I think we know why that line is coming out. Maybe because of Chris's history with Saskatchewan, wanting to create a little bit of drama there. But I don't know. He's a pretty smart football guy, so he might have some numbers in his back pocket that he's kind of got to use to proof. He continually uh, had his OC put Brandon Bridge out there. I'm not not saying, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm not going to agree with him on that one. A, because I'm a Rough Riders fan and I'm from here. And B, because I just don't see it. I'm not a brilliant football mind like that. Is he in your mind firmly the number one? Right you now, you yeah. are fully I mean, confident. I mean, it depends who they find in the offseason, but absolutely right now, unless he has a horrible training camp or something, um, I, I don't know. I think he, he has to be. Abby, firmly number one, Cody Fajardo? 100%. I have no issues there. I think that, you know, everybody has a bit of an offseason. It is what it is. Um, you know, chemistry is a big thing, and we found that uh, for whatever reason this past season, him and Shaq just weren't on the same page and Duke came in and they started getting chemistry and things started kind of going in the right direction so I have no issues with Cody he is our guy he can run the ball um, and you know things will click it's going to be a magical year I think was it a sophomore slump 
We could call it that. It, it very well I mean, could be. It's a new offensive coordinator. Yeah. It's it's different talent and, around him. But if you take take every quarterback in the Canadian Football League and lump their 2019 and 2021 together, mm-hmm. who's been better than Fajardo? Michael Riley? Okay. Zach Caleros? Okay. Bo Levi Mitchell has not been. That dude led the league in interceptions. There are no, Vernon Adams in my money. Not has not been Matt Nichols. No, either the the Hamilton guys. No. If you take his two seasons together, compare them to everybody else's two seasons. I'm with you guys. That Cody Fajardo. I am. I am fully confident in him going into 2022. Yeah. Sorry, I'd only yeah, say about it. Zach Caleros. He's the only one. And you could argue about Michael O'Reilly, but where did BC end up at the end of the season? They, he, Michael O'Reilly was so good the first half. We were maybe even saying MOP at one point, but oh, he yeah. kind of fell off the radar there. So I'd even argue there that Fajardo's been more consistent than Michael O'Reilly. If if Riley's everything for Riley is if his elbow is okay, right? right? When he was uh, yeah. taking a shot at mm-hmm. the start of every game, well, okay, is he is he going to continue on? Uh, in a two-year sample, I am I am fully confident. We get nine games into next season, and Fajardo leads the league in interceptions. Okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to fall back a little bit on that. However, as Abby said, in the run game, there's not a more effective quarterback runner, designed runner, than Cody Fajardo. And, and you he- might say Jeremiah Masoli. Mm-hmm. Sure, I can give you that's close. Vernon Adams, more of a scrambler than a design runner. There's no one more effective, for my mind, in the run game, barring Chris Strebler's return to the CFL, than Cody Fajardo. And that gives you a very nice floor as an offense. If we had a guy like Bo Levi Mitchell who doesn't run at all, we would be in a lot worse situation because of the way the passing game was this year. So we got to think, you know, that we're lucky to have Cody Fajardo and the running ability that he has. And I think that because of the fact that he will put the team on his back when he needs to. He will will his way, and we saw that even uh, in the playoffs. There were moments where it looked like the game was just going to be out of reach, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, Cody is just scrambling down the field, and like he is doing everything he can right now to win this game. And uh, he's yeah. a character guy. Takes guy. hard hits, doesn't ever slide. Well, he does, but he, 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 knows, when, he knows when yeah. he doesn't need Stop to slide. Doing yeah, that. He'll oh. take big hits. Well, and and. We, th- we may think of it as the Duke Williams play, right? The Duke Williams touchdown from the West Final. Cody threw that. Cody throws a deep out to the field to get the ball to Duke in single coverage. That's that's a Fajardo play, too. And mm-hmm. I just, it just struck me that I think of that as the Duke Williams play, but that's a Cody Fajardo play, too, in a game where there were not a ton of plays made. Yeah, I mean, there's I don't see a lot of weaknesses with Cody. I mean, again, the... the you're trying to compare it to 2019 where he just, he did. He had a spectacular season. He was outstanding, uh, MOP that year. Um, and, I mean, last year was just a weird season all around in the league, so it's tough to kind of compare, I think. But I think we're going to see something super special here in 2022. He's got all, he's got all the tools. And, yeah. and again, it's going to come down to, obviously, who do we end up with receivers because we're all, you know, drooling over the fact that if we have Shaq, we have Kyron, we get Duke, Duke. maybe, like... Like, can you imagine having those weapons? If you're Cody Fajardo and you're going into camp and those are going to be your guys, like, oh my goodness. Shafe and Bake on the outside, Lenius on the inside. And nothing against these guys. I just think the offensive line needs to be a little bit more, you know, a little bit more there. Oh, I mean, let's just be honest. Absolutely. The Americans on the offensive line need to be better. You kind of proved my theory wrong throughout the season a couple times, but it always seemed like Cody just didn't have the time in the pocket when he wanted to throw. And I know yep. maybe it wasn't as bad as it looked when you look at the numbers, but it seemed like he just didn't have time to throw. He needed an extra second or two. Well, it, it does reflect in the numbers, right? His The depth at which he was throwing passes mm-hmm. was off by about 20%. 
the amount he was under pressure was the same as the year before, which you could interpret as, okay, he has to throw shorter and he's under pressure the same amount of time. Pressure still getting to him quick, but getting to him quicker than it was in 2019. Taron Vaughn, if he's back and he's back from a shoulder injury, that helps that, but that still leaves one tackle spot. And, oh, it was a, it was a struggle at times. Uh, Duke Williams is just Duke. Let there be Duke of anything. The The question I want us all to ponder as we go to the break is if there are problems in the offense in 2022, who do you think needs to go first? Is it Fajardo or is it Jason Moss? Fajardo and Steven McAdoo in 2019 seem like a dynamite combination. Fajardo and Jason Moss in 2021 a less dynamic combination. Which one do you prize more? Maybe is a better way to say that. Is it Fajardo? Is it Moss? The text line is, as always, open at 306-936-6262. We may throw that to question to TSN football expert Farhan Lalji coming up at 4.30 on The Cage. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM is on the air. Call us with your thoughts. 306-936-6262. Out of town, call toll-free 1-866-767-0620. Now back to DT and the panel. Time for the afternoon rush. The Oilers play in Toronto against the Leafs tonight. No Connor McDavid for the Oil. He and Derek Ryan tested positive for COVID. Austin Matthews apparently will be in the Leafs lineup. Puck drop at 6 o'clock there. And the Provincial Scotties begin tonight in Assiniboia. The 12-team bond spiel using A, B, and C events instead of a previous round-robin format. 2019 champion Robin Silvernagel, two-time national champ Chelsea Carey both have buys to tomorrow's second round of games a little later in the show we need to discuss what i'm doing wrong because (laughs) i don't understand the world around me right now i am trying to buy a car and i'm i've been in touch with a dealership and they will not sell me a car it's not that they're trying to upsell me to a fancier car but they won't sell me a car and my whole world is thrown it's like I drove to McDonald's today. I said, "Can I have a Big Mac meal?" They gave it to me. I gave them $11. Boom, done. I'm trying to buy a car cuz who who knew 2006 cars wouldn't last after a while. Uh and I don't get it. So if you have any car buying tips, if you can perhaps point out what I'm doing wrong, uh we'll do that story a little later. Probably the dealership the maybe. I don't <laughs> I've never heard of anything like this before. So, you, you put it perfectly. It's no different than going to the drive-thru and ordering a burger and they saying you can't have it. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm, what, what's going on here? I'm ready to spend, like, I'm, I'm not a fancy car guy. I'm ready to spend, like, t- I don't know, 20 grand on a car. Like a nice used car. Mm-hmm. I can't get them to take the money! <laughs> and I don't understand. Drew, can I, I, Drew, can I have your sweatshirt? I'll give you $20,000. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, walk in and say, hi, I'm Derek Taylor from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I shop at this dealership. You'd think they'd want to uh, sell you that <laughs> just to promote the business, but... It's it's just so bizarre. It's like, uh, hey, Abby, can I have those headphones? I'll give you 20 grand. And you're like, well, where'd you get the 20 grand from? What color? Is it hundreds or is it 50s? Who the hell cares? Just take it. Just take the money for the... Anyway. Tell us uh, how you really feel. That's... Uh... You should walk in with a wad of cash. Like, literally a wad of cash. Take it I'm... all out. Big 
put it in a briefcase, open the briefcase up, and maybe they'll take it then. Do banks have cash anymore? I haven't used cash in yeah. a long time. I've got a <laughs> I've got a twenty dollar bill in my wallet, and I'm pretty sure I took it out of a bank machine in July. Even before the pandemic, I rarely carried cash around. My wife always used to say, "You need to have a little bit of cash in your wallet." Yeah, I, I haven't for the longest time. Last time you used cash? <laughs> um, yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> See, and I, I, I love using cash, but the March of 2020 was like the end of that. Like, I'm not walking around mm -hmm. with a couple hundred bucks anymore because no one wants it. Well, some places weren't even taking it, so. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't. That's right. Which is uh, unfortunate. So if you had to choose, and we've got some coming in on the text line. If you had to choose, if in the, in the hypothetical where Cody Fajardo struggles in 2022, who is first out the door for you? Is it... Cody Fajardo, move on, find somebody else, or is it Jason Moss? Because where we sit right now, we go, okay, 2019, Fajardo, McAdoo, and company worked really well. 2021, Fajardo, Moss, and everybody else didn't work really well. I don't know if you could say it's on Fajardo or it's on Moss, because there's a million other factors that go into there, including... Oh, by the way, they were using their third and fifth offensive tackle, and Shaq Evans broke his leg and was never the same. Who who is more on the hot seat this coming season, Drew Posey? I, you know, like we said during the break, it's a lot harder to find a legitimate starting quarterback than it is an offensive coordinator, and that's just the way it is. I think that's got to be a big factor. So, you know, I got to say, maybe Jason Moss is on the hot seat first. We've seen Cody Fajardo make it work with another offensive coordinator. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the same players in 2019. So I hate to say it, but maybe it is on Jason Moss because of those two reasons. And it's not necessarily, I, I tend to lean with you. And it's not necessarily that I would think Moss is bad at his job because no, he's, not very, at all. he's very clearly shown yeah. that he can OC in this league and he gets Canadian football. But sometimes guys just don't mix. And there may be something to McAdoo's system was simpler, and that jibes with Cody. Moss's is more complex, and that does not jibe with Cody. I was going to say, maybe you can answer this question even. How many times was Fajardo allowed to make the play calls all on his own? Has he been given that trust yet a lot? And maybe he needs a little bit more leeway with the plays that are called. Maybe he's, you know, if he's allowed to call a couple plays yeah. during a drive you know, it's a little bit more easier for him. I assume apart, I honestly, I assume apart from the very occasional check at the line of scrimmage, mm -hmm. that quarterbacks calling their own plays is a thing of the 90s, honestly. Yeah. Uh, once Peyton Manning retired from the NFL, I feel like, uh, Tom Brady, you can go call your own. If you see something different, you feel free to do what you do because you guys all get it. I would, I would assume in the CFL, it's coming coordinator quarterback and you do it unless dot, dot, dot. Moss or Fajardo? Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with Drew. I think it's probably going to be Moss. It's a ch it's it's a, a challenge, though. I get it because when you are a coordinator and you have a certain vision on things, and maybe your quarterback has a vision on something and it's a little bit different, and they don't jive, they got to work. They got to find a way to work together. And if it doesn't work, eventually, it's usually the coach is the one that goes. Yeah. The talent usually stays, right? So it's it's a fine line for sure. It's you know, I mean. <laughs> Talents, they're hard to find, like like Drew said, especially when you got a stud quarterback like Fajardo. We know that we know all the tools are there. You just need somebody that can guide him in the right direction. And if if that involves making the whole thing run a little easier, pretend it's hey, your job is to only read half the field. I'm I'm okay with that because you know, frankly, if you as long as you're maximizing a guy's talent, 
okay, maybe it's not super, the the elitist of the elite amount of talent because I think we have this impression that everybody can can be skies, you know, can shoot for the moon. And you're like, well, no, some guys are some guys max out at a, to use the Madden thing and 85. You got to get them to 85. Yeah. And I don't I wonder what I really want to see throughout 2022 is is Moss able to get Fajardo to that 85 or whatever the number is level? You know what would help, though? And I know teams hate when this excuse is thrown out there. Not having like 25 guys on the six-game injured list at one point in the season. Yep. And not having to throw a new puzzle piece in every week. Because that's challenging for anybody. You know what else would also not help? Or would help not great. a pandemic. That'd be great because, <laughs> I mean, let's face it. It hasn't. It has been very difficult for everybody. But the season, like coaches and all that. I mean, Cody and Jason. You know, this was their first season working together, and it was unlike anybody had ever experienced before. So, yeah, I can imagine behind the scenes it wasn't easy for them either, right? And they're they're trying to jive, and you know everything else goes along with it. It, it was tough. So I think hopefully this season, uh, the proof will be in the pudding if there's chemistry between the two of them. From the text line, Moss has to go definitely keeping Cody, and then Betty from Regina says they never had the two, same guys in the lineup two games in a row. A row ridiculous. The roster hurting all season. Build the O line. End of story. Moss or Fajardo? Who is more important to the the Riders' success in 2022? And are you satisfied? Actually, you know what? Put it a different way. What's your ideal quarterback depth chart heading into training camp for 2022? The text line 306 936 6262. It's the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. 429 TSN football expert Farhan Lalji next in the cage. Time for one big number. One big number for this day is 20. Novak Djokovic has won 20 Grand Slam titles, most among any male tennis player. He's won nine Australian Opens, and it appears he will not have a chance to add to both of those numbers. Djokovic had been given an exemption from getting the COVID vaccine by Aussie Open organizers yesterday, and yet when he arrived in Melbourne today, government officials said, hell no, you can't come in, you don't have the proper visa, and they're planning to send him home. Man, if the drama at the Aussie Open is as good as the drama before the Aussie Open, we are in for one heck of a tournament. One big number brought to you by Realtor June Daku. Get one big number for your farmland. Call June Daku at 306-736-7640. He's got something to say, and so do you. Call or text Derek now at 306-936-6262 or find us on Twitter at SportsCage. This is Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. 431, the sports cage on 620 CKRM. All the guests of the show appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask, ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. TSN football expert Farhan Lalji to join us in just a couple of minutes. Uh, moves from around the Canadian Football League, specifically in the West Division today. The Bombers re-signing defensive tackle Jake Thomas. This will be season number 10 for him in Winnipeg. He had 25 quarterback pressures and five sacks last season. A valuable piece of their interior there. And the Stampeders were signing defensive end Falaran Arimalade. God, it's just one of the best names in the CFL to say. Ah, I love it. I love it. He had uh, seven games 
23 quarterback pressures and two sacks. He was a monster on the outside for the Stampeders in limited action in 2021, and he will be back for the Stamps in 2022. Uh, Justin Dunk of Three Down Nation uh, driving some conversation today about the Elks and pointing out that Nick Arbuckle is scheduled to make $275,000 more than Taylor Cornelius in 2022 in a conversation of, well, who should the Elks start at quarterback this year? And I thought, yeah, Arbuckle should make that much more than Taylor Cornelius. Did you see Taylor Cornelius throw the ball to defenders all season long? That ain't, that's not worth money. That's not worth much of anything. It's awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh, John Hodge will join us at 5.05 as well as we continue to talk the Canadian Football League. Moss or Fajardo? This is a question we, we have for you today on the text line. We love having you with us on it. Moss was, he was absolutely, it, it was it was kind of a revelation, right? When, uh, when the Riders were able to get him to come, whatever connections he had to Craig Dickinson in the past. We'll talk about that as we continue on, including with our good friend Farhan Lalji. Farhan, Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year to you. How was life with the pink flamingo on the beach somewhere in, in Regina? Oh, it was great. Oh, it's like constantly minus 32. You're obliged to go out and shovel, and you go, gosh, I should have covered up my face instead of just my head and the rest of me. Uh, it, was, uh, it, it, was, it was long. It was long. Well, you can get a tan in that, those kind of conditions too, right? It's called like facial burns and yeah. facial burns as opposed, you know. But we had, we've had crazy snow here uh, by our standards for the last, we can change, so I, I, I feel you, buddy. I feel you. Is now there were there were big flooding problems. Not not exactly your part of the world, but in your part of the world, is there any any complications because of all the snow too? Well, I mean, we're just we're not used to it. We're soft, yeah. right? And so we, we and not, it was not only the snow, but we had some really cold weather conditions again by our standards. But it was with the wind chill. We were in the minus twenties, right? Oh wow! Um, so uh, yeah, we had some some snow and cold, and then we've got a second wave. Of snow coming, it started last night, so uh, we shoveled two, and we got to go back out and do it again. Oh boy, yeah, it uh, it never ends. All right, uh, Lodge, I'm setting you up for this one immediately. Why do you hate empowered college football players? Why do you hate college football players who want to express themselves and move schools? Yeah, you just you don't so believe like in it. freedom. Why do you hate freedom? No freedom. Like, <laughs> when you commit, you commit to a school. These guys act like they're victims. They're not. You know, they're like the slave labor narrative around all of this is a bunch of bull right especially now when you have the nil advantages and every school in their recruiting pitch sets you up with nil deals right so it's not like it was in the olden days and even five years ago when they increased the scholarship value to real cost of tuition i had a kid that i coached who went to a division one school not a power five school a mid-major and he was smart enough like he saved his money to the point where like during spring he went to europe on vacation with the money that he had saved like, these guys aren't – it's not like it was in the old days. And for these guys to be able to bounce around left and right, it's not the college football I grew up with. I hate it. You know, and, and like, I still love it because it's college football and I'm, I'm hung up on it. But the fact that there's free agency at that level is garbage. That said, can't yep. blame the kids when the coaches are doing it. Well, right? and, so and there's the thing, Brian right? Kelly can leave, and if Lincoln Riley can leave, and they can leave before the season ends and take bigger jobs and all of this – the argument around opting out for a bowl game, the argument around um, you know players bouncing around and transferring schools all the time, that becomes hollow. 
but it's tough. Like, you know, like for a, a college coach to go in and you've got to re-recruit your own kids every year, it's ridiculous. It's... Caleb Williams, he comes in there, takes Spencer Rattler, spots Spencer Rattler, leaves because he knows he can't beat out Caleb Williams, and Caleb Williams leaves. It's ridiculous. Wow. Caleb, Caleb Williams' coach left. The guy who recruited them left. And... When, I, when I grew up, like in college football, you cheered for the uniform. You expected the players to come and go in their four- and five-year cycles, and it was about the uniform. It was about that tradition, you know, whereas the NFL is all about players, right? And Did you so, really cheer for again, the uniform? Like, well, like, you know what I mean. Like, there's a, tra- there's a tradition and a loyalty to a school. Like, I am always going to be a University of Washington fan. Like, it's just the way it is. Always. Like, growing up, you know, I used to like the Raiders and the Dolphins. I could give a rat's ass about the Raiders and the Dolphins. Yeah. Right? Like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's different when kids come and go. And, again, I'm emotional about the topic because I'm passionate about college football. And as much as I hate it, I hate the circumstances that have led to it, and that is the coaches also doing it. And the NCAA really doesn't have the ability to change it because they can't tell the schools what to do. You yeah. can prevent the schools from a certain level of competition, but, like, probation doesn't even happen anymore. And <laughs> NIL, which is a good thing, like, the, the gloves are off, right? Like, you're not stuffing that genie back in the bottle. So anything you have to regulate what's going on, like, if you were to say to coaches, you can't come and go – you know, at certain times of the year, like, they're going to get sued. There's just no way to fix that. And you'll you'll rarely ever hear coaches railing against it, right? Like Lane Kiffin and um, Dabo Swinney, you know, talked about how they don't like it. Uh, Nick Saban said, look, I don't like it, but I'm going to take advantage of it if that's the rule you put in, and we'll just get better because of it, right? But you don't hear a lot of it because you know, and I've got friends in the NCAA coaching community, yeah. and they don't rail against it because – they know that they want to have the ability to do the same thing, and you can't talk out both sides of your mouth. Farhan, how do you think it led up to the way it is now? Did it all start it, you know, right down to the recruiting process when you're going into high schools and looking at some of these players and what was promised to them when you're trying to get them to come to the school, or is it something deeper than that? No, I, and I think it's become cultural now. You, you look at college basketball, let me know when you last seen a senior at a big school. Like You don't see that anymore, right? Uh, it's almost unfashionable to stay beyond a couple of years. Right, and so it's well, now going to become a thing. Like the portal is going to become a bigger thing. So it started with um, just how much could the NCAA defend lawsuits, right? So you couldn't eventually continue with denying them NIL rights, right? Like they had to be able to make money. If you're not going to pay them, you have to give them the opportunity to make money off their own personal success and their name, image, and likeness. So as, as soon as states got involved and put their own regulations in, the NCAA had to back off from that, right? And that was the right thing. But then with transfers, you know, you, you'd kind of give exemptions based on extenuating circumstances. But, you know, you, you still had a little bit of control over that. But once the coaches started going, then the players felt they could go. And then COVID is what really did it, right? Oh, yeah. Because when COVID happened... Then the NCAA said, okay, we got to open up the transfer thing because if a kid really wants to go back and be around family and not be too far away in this climate, we have to allow them to do that. And then, then it was it. It was over at that point, right? Like you couldn't stuff the genie back in the bottle. And now you've got waves of transfers. So, you know, end of the season, okay, we're going to opt out. We're going to do this. Uh, sometimes people do it in season if they lose a starting position. And then we're going to get to the second wave, which happens after spring ball. Because, okay, I didn't win the starting spot. I'm going to quit and go elsewhere where it's easier. That's the part I hate about it. <laughs> Brian Robinson, the running back at Alabama, a fifth-year senior running back, had many opportunities to transfer. Look at him now. Look at him now. 204 yards in the national semifinal, right? 
And but it doesn't work that way, especially at the quarterback position. And you know who gets screwed the most? And this is probably why I'm the most passionate about it: high school football graduates, right? Yep. Because schools now they don't give out 25 scholarships. They might give out 15 and save 10 for portal guys, right? So those are the kids that are getting screwed tenfold because they've worked their butts off as well and they don't get the same opportunity and that's why i'm so invested in it because i've coached for so long and i've coached those kids and now it's going to be harder even for canadian kids to get those opportunities it sucks noted freedom hater farhan lalji tsn football expert with us on the western pizza hotline it's me uh, <laughs> just just breaking ball we're just breaking balls to start the new year brother uh Let's talk some Canadian Football League. There's some conversation uh, because it's going to come to a head. Uh, and there was some some interesting words and non-words out of Edmonton yesterday when uh, Stephen McAdoo and Jarius Jackson were asked about Nick Arbuckle at their uh, opening press conference. Neither one of them said anything. And you go, isn't that guy the starter in Edmonton? What should the Elks do uh, for a starting quarterback this coming season in your mind? Nick Arbuckle. No, you didn't even somebody, hesitate. Well, tell me who else you're going to get. Like, look at the free agent list, my man. Well, Cornelius is the is the uh, other one. Taylor Cornelius Sorry. at sixty five grand a year is the one being thrown around as if he is a viable option. Have you have you not seen enough of that movie? Oh, I have like, for that's sure. Not real. So, like, you can't go into it with Taylor Cornelius and, and try to save that kind of money. He showed nothing to suggest he's going to be a successful quarterback in the Canadian Football League, right? Like, he had a big sample size. Could he get better next year? Yeah, but, like, his ceiling is McLeod Bethel-Thompson, right? That's an absolute ceiling for Taylor Cornelius as I see it. So, for me, I, like, I just don't know who the guys are, right? The league has got a – they've got some challenges at the position all the way around. So you can't just say, here's the slam dunk. You want to know who I want to see Edmonton yet? Go get Michael O'Connor. There's a guy that deserves a bigger opportunity than he's gotten to this point. But, again, like, you can't invest in that and say, okay, he's my slam dunk guy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you look at BC, Mike Riley, what's going to happen there? Hasn't been great the last couple of years anyway, right, even if he comes back, right? I think they're in good shape with Nathan Ork. But you go around the league, Calgary, what are we going to do with the position? You know, we, we, we're not sure if we're ever going to get Bo's shoulder figured out, so we're going to hedge for another year and see what we have in Meyer, uh, Mayer and try to figure out if the two of them can do it. Saskatchewan's got questions. You know, I know you guys what your poll question is. And, yeah. You know, but as you look around the league, there's just no slam-dunk options available. Jeremiah Masoli is going to be out there. Does Ottawa go get him? Does Edmonton go get him? If they do get him, are you sure he's going to be that guy? Coupled with, you know, the vaccination stuff. Yep. Right? Depending on what happens next year. So, like, there's so many questions at the position league-wide. It's not like it was a few years ago when Dan Hurtlieb set it up for all the good quarterbacks to be free agents in the same year. Right? Yep. Like, it's just There's just not obvious solutions waiting. So, when you ask me who Edmonton should bring in, I'll say Nick Arbuckle because why not? Right? Like, of, of the guys that are going to be available, not a lot have had that much more success than him. Maybe Masoli, as far as I go... Yeah, my impression was if you're trying to tank, then I, I go with Cornelius because who cares? You're paying the guy the absolute. Tank for mi- what? This isn't the NHL. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly my point. You're you're not tanking the CFL because there's not a there's no generational quarterback or prospect that that comes out of the draft. I here's the thing that I have, and I was so glad to hear you say that about Cornelius because I I, I watched and saw the same thing you did. A guy who is just, to me, not viable at this level for several reasons, 
and yet he has an enormous arm and he's a big body and he's mobile and honest to goodness someone is going to think that he can play quarterback at this level and I'm afraid well uh, and I'd be pretty happy to see it I'm afraid it's going to be the Elks yeah maybe I mean maybe they think that they can just build the team completely elsewhere and then get him figured out as the guy and you know, like, look, stranger things have happened. But to me, you know, Cornelius needs to be a backup. Maybe there's something there. I've looked at his numbers. You know, accuracy is a hard thing to fix at the pro level. So, yeah, he's got a big arm. He's played on a big stage. He can do some of the things you mentioned, but he also throws a lot of picks, right? And oh, yeah. So that's a tough, that is a tough thing to fix at this level. You know, Lapo, Paul Lapoli did a big deep dive study into it a couple of offseasons ago, you know, and looked at all the quarterbacks, you know, for a number of years in the league and who's had success and, I think Masoli was the only guy that improved his completion percentage and his QBR at the pro level. It doesn't happen. And and I, I don't see that in Taylor Cornelius, right? So oh, you bring him 100%. in as a backup, and then all of a sudden your starter gets hurt, and then you know the second time around he does some good things and then elevates, great. Okay, I, you know that's happened with quarterbacks before. But to begin a season next year with him being the guy, oh. if I'm an Edmonton Elks fan, boy, I'm not, I'm not buying that story. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, and far, and it's pretty obvious that Nick Arbuckle should be the starter, and it just goes to show you how hard it is to find a legitimate starting quarterback in the Canadian Football League. So can the argument be made that when offensive struggles start for a team that it usually has to be the offensive coordinator that would go first? Like you said in our poll question, we're kind of using that example of Fajardo or Moss in Saskatchewan. Are you kind of that opinion, too, that when the offensive struggles start, it's a lot harder to find a quarterback than it is to replace an offensive coordinator? Yeah, it's a tough one, you know. Like it, it's hard to change OCs midseason. It's a little easier to kind of move on from a quarterback at that point. And you know, with all of these things, you just have to ask yourself, what's the alternative, right? And so when we talk about Nick Arbuckle, it's not that we love him or hate him. It's just that what's the alternative? Uh, and I think he's a better option than Taylor Cornelius, right? Uh, regardless of what the dollar amount is at that point. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that the Elks are necessarily going to do that. I know that that. Um, uh, Arbuckle did feel comfortable with Jackson and Howell and the offensive coaches uh, that were in Toronto, McAdoo as well. Obviously, they didn't necessarily feel the need to gush about him at the press conference. So, so we'll see. But it, like, it's it's tough to it's it, it, it's a tough ask, right? Because when you look at it, you've got to put it into context, right? So, yeah, who's your OC? That's only part of it. But who are your weapons? What's your offensive line looking like? Right? Is your defense forcing you to score every time out? All of those things factor into what your quarterback expectations are, right? And you look at a guy like Cody Fajardo, you know, and, and generally the Saskatchewan defense has been good, so there hasn't been as much pressure, you know, on Cody. Generally, he's had some pretty good weapons around him, right? Um, so, you know, he had some success under Stephen McAdoo, but a lot of people don't necessarily think McAdoo's an elite offensive coordinator in this league. And then, you know, you have Jason Moss, and people generally think he's got a pretty good mind, uh, for the game on the offensive side, do the two of them mesh in terms of one guy's, you know, lean in terms of how he likes to call plays versus one guy's skill set? Yep. So it's tough, right? I, you know, I do think Moss has made every effort to evolve as an OC so he can take advantage of Cody's skill set. But you know, it, it's it's a work in progress, clearly. Yeah, and, and that's that'll be the interesting thing for for me to see in in 2022 is. Uh, the offense was was very nice in 19. It struggled in 21. A million factors, and we like to try to drill it down to well, they changed offensive coordinators. Uh, but I, I'm I'm. Yeah, but with... how many people in this league would not view Moss as an upgrade to McAdoo? 
There's one that wouldn't. His name is Chris, Chris Jones. Jones. That might be it. Well, and Chris, I mean, Chris Jones knows uh, that offense, it, when they won the Grey Cup in 2015, their passing offense was second last in yards per play with Michael Riley. You go, well, well okay, Riley, the year after McAdoo leaves, his yards per, his yards per attempt goes from like 7.4 to 9. And you go, well, okay. Um, they went McAdoo to Moss and Riley became this, this superhero in the passing game. So I, I feel like as much as we kind of took that and, and just from the conversation made that a shot against Fajardo, I think it was, I think it was, J, it was Chris Jones supporting his guy in Stephen McAdoo beyond the point of... I know, I know Chris Jones, and he loves him some McAdoo. Yeah. Right? Like he, he, and you got that in the Terry Jones article. Like he just is beside himself that nobody views McAdoo the same way that Chris Jones does. Well, it's, it's that, like... And, and yeah. so, I was going to say, Farn, it's like when you tell people I'm the most handsome guy you've ever met. I feel like... Which is true. Yeah, I feel like you don't necessarily mean it 100% because you've probably run across some, some handsome Hollywood people in your time, but it's very nice of you to say that. Well, there you go, man. Like, it's, it's the truth. <laughs> it's my news resolution. Only speak the truth in Saskatchewan. I love it. I love it. Farhan, thank you, brother. Uh, who do you have in the national championship game on Monday? What is it, Georgia-Alabama rematch? I, I am taking Uga. Ooh, really? They got I, whacked you know, by like Alabama I, last time, right? They, they did. And, you know, and Saban has his team playing at this level at the right time of year, right? Like, he knows how to elevate. But I just, to me, and, and I know that Georgia's schedule wasn't daunting. Mm-hmm. But I just saw what happened in that game against Alabama as a bit of an outlier. I don't think that's who they are defensively. And I think that... There was a lot of hiccups on Bama's schedule this year. You know, they, they lose to Texas A&M, and there were four other games. They almost lost to really, really average football teams. So, yes, they're playing their best at the right time of year, and, and all of that matters. But, I, you know, without Mechie in the lineup, and, you know, I, like, I just, I don't know. I don't think that Bama's going to have the success um, offensively that they did in the SEC championship game. I do think Georgia's going to be – able to hold up better defensively. Stetson Bennett played really well. He threw the ball for over 340 yards and a couple of touchdowns, three touchdowns. You eliminate the two picks, and it's a different game, right? So I, yeah. I just think that what you saw from Georgia was a bit more of an outlier than what you're going to see Monday night. So the fact I, – I wish Georgia, I wish Bama was favored just so that they couldn't play that card. But they're, they're three-point underdogs in this game after winning handily the last time. Yeah. So, you know, Saban will certainly use that as more rat poison. But um, <laughs> I, I think I think Georgia's going to find a way. I think it's their time. They, they almost did it in uh, 2018 when Tua came on in overtime and, and stole it from them. I, I think this is their time. All right. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. All right, take care. Talk next week. TSN football expert Farhan Lalji on the Western Pizza Hotline. This segment brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. Proud to be your voice of the Riders, the Pats, the Rams, and all sports in our province. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. 452, the sports ticker, brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating. Two signings in the CFL. Bombers bringing back defensive tackle Jake Thomas. Stamps re-signing defensive end 
Falerin Arimalade. Titan star running back Derek Henry cleared to return to practice. Henry broke his foot back in October. Those Titans currently the number one seed in the AFC, and it appears Novak Djokovic will not be playing in the Aussie Open after all. Yesterday, tournament organizers granted him an exemption from getting vaccinated. Today, after he arrived in Melbourne, he learned he had not gotten an exemption from the Australian government. The sports ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. 20-time major champion, nine-time Aussie Open champion. The Australian Open's like, yeah, be exempted. Come on down. Gets to the airport, and I assume this is like the rich people's airport, because if I have 20 Grand Slam title money... I'm not, I'm not flying with the rest of you guys. Come on. No. I like you guys, but come on. We ain't flying together. They did not let Djokovic in. They rejected his visa and said, you have to leave Djokovic uh, trying to file an injunction so that he does not have to leave Australia in just an absolute schmozzle for tennis to start the year. Are we surprised at this point? There's so many differing opinions on things and so much miscommunication with what's legal and what's not legal nowadays. But maybe at this level, you should have it figured out, I guess, right? Well, and it's there's so much gray to it, right? Because the Aussie Open organizer said, we've given him a medical exemption, speaking mm-hmm. of Djokovic. No one seems to know why that is. It's not told anybody why it is. People can only go on... Well, a year ago, he was saying some weird stuff about the vaccine. So we're left with incomplete information. Are you a an anti-vax nut bar? Will the vaccine kill you because you're the one in a billion people that you can't have, whatever the number is that you can't have the vaccine? It's all so very gray, and now we're just left to kind of laugh at one of the great male tennis players of all time. Yeah, and, and it's so unfortunate bizarre. that we're laughing at it, but... Uh, what a situation. Can you imagine showing up, you know, ready to compete? And, you know, I mean, he's he's a pretty humble guy in some respects, but I'd kind of want to say, do you not know who I am? Yeah. But Does, I, I'm the lanky guy with the prominent Adam Zappa. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've got 20 titles. Let's go. I've got nine of your titles in my plane. Yeah, it's just everything. Private is, plane, we should probably say. <laughs> it's just, he thought everything was good. I got it. I'm good to go. And then all of a sudden, you're at the airport. Uh, Sir, come with me, please. You, Which, uh, you don't want to hear that yeah. in the airport in any parts. No. I mean, I, I kind of want to say kudos to the Australian government, though, because if they would have allowed that to happen, I feel like this would have really blown up as a story. Like, people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, how come how come he can do it and I can't, right? Yeah. And you don't want to get into that. Obviously, we need way more information on why he's not vaccinated and why he needs an exemption. I think that's that's really what we're missing here. And oh. if there's a, a real legitimate reason for health or whatever it may be, okay, and maybe we can live with that. But if it's just because I don't want to get it because I, whatever, whatever. The same nonsense then, reasons most people yeah. would be used, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, just he's the first high profile athlete that I can think of, though, that tried to get an exemption to play. Right. Have you heard of anybody else? Like Trevor Harris tried, tried to mm-hmm. right for the he's not right. nearly the same profile of, <laughs> no. of Novak, but he tried to. Yeah, he's not flying went, private. Yeah. So yeah. I, he said, I'm not getting this. He went and got the Johnson and Johnson. Then he was able to play uh, super. Oh, well, Kyrie Irving of the uh, of the uh, Brooklyn Nets is the other one right? Okay. who made yeah. waves with that of what's well, not that I'm a Kyrie 
I mean, Kyrie Irving is a different cat altogether. The the whole Earth is flat thing, and it turned everybody on him. Like, really, Duke admitted you academically, and you think the Earth is flat? He he said, "I'm not against the vaccine. I'm against the vaccine being pushed on people." So, in on to defend them is why I'm not getting it. And we all looked at that and went, "That's that's just not true. You're 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 not foregoing." 18 million dollars in salary because of the poor people being persecuted by the vaccine like let's let's come on i get you're trying to spin it but that in it but those are those are really the the two big, i mean obviously aaron rogers, rogers right yeah. kirk aaron Rodgers just can't stop talking about how everything is is the worst and it's causing one voter to say i'm not voting aaron Rodgers for mvp um, but yeah, he's not yeah. tra- i mean they're traveling anywhere than other than being in the u.s you know like he traveled to Australia, and the government said, no, you can't come in. Well, I mean, we, Bart versus Australia, the classic Simpsons episode. He brought his frog. The frog ate all their <laughs> crops. The country was destroyed. You can't. It's you like can't. we're an invasive species nowadays <laughs> if you're not vaccinated. So, uh, But there's For, another kind of situation. If, and, you got about you know, 30 you, seconds. Okay, you talk about pushing the vaccine on people, but does, does someone that high profile not have a bit of a responsibility? And if he does get an exemption, does it kind of open the floodgates, like Abby was saying kind of earlier, for everyone else to just try and do it no matter what? You can come to our island nation, our island continent, and, and not follow our rules. Probably not going over real well with the Australian people. 458 News is next on the other side. John Hodge on... Canadians being so very expensive in the Canadian Football League. I have a solution to this. It's coming up. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Live from the Sports Cage, it's Derek Taylor and the panel. To have your say, call 306-936-6262. Out of town, call toll-free 1-866-767-0620. The Source 620 CKRM. 505 on a Wednesday. Derek Taylor, Drew Posey with you on the cage. The text line, you heard the number there, 306-936-6262. What is your ideal Riders quarterback depth chart to start the 2022 season? Are you all in on Fajardo as we are? Who do you want to be the backup? Where would you go with the Riders quarterback situation for 2022? Let's talk some CFL. Uh Next guest, one of my favorite guys to follow, John Hodge, knows the game. He's very clearly connected within the game, and I always enjoy, John, the stuff that you uh, you put out on Twitter and publish. So I appreciate you joining us on our uh, second show of the new year, brother. My pleasure to be here, DT. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, first up, before we get to our Canadians overpaid in the, from your column today in the uh, in Three Down Nation, uh, Jake Thomas re-signed with the Bombers. If you could, Thomas is one of my absolute favorite players in the Canadian Football League, non-rider edition. Tell me what that guy means for football in Winnipeg. Well, I mean, Jake Thomas, and first of all, thank you for giving him props. You might be the first member of the media to give Jake Thomas props in his 10-year CFL career. <laughs> I mean, th- this guy... My goodness, he came in as a fourth-round pick out of Acadia. I haven't done the numbers, but I think the average career span in the CFL for fourth-round picks out of Acadia on average is about one game. So he's played over 100 in the CFL. He's the longest-tenured member of the club. The team didn't even want him back in 2018. They drafted Faith Akakati first overall the 2017 CFL draft. Thomas goes unsigned in 2018, and then they end up bringing him back partway through training camp. So, like, he's a guy, his own team didn't want him back for, for, for a portion of his career, and yet he just keeps getting better. 
I mean, he had two sacks on in Winnipeg's playoff run, including one against Saskatchewan in the West Final. Yep. He has nine sacks over the last two years as a defensive tackle, and he's a starting Canadian for this team. And he's someone who I've always found to be tremendously underrated. I think a large part of that is, let's be honest, he, his, his physique looks a lot like mine. And when you're a professional <laughs> football player, that is a bad thing. Um, he doesn't necessarily look the part, but there, there's lots of guys who look the part and can't play the part. Jake Thomas can play the part, and that should be all that matters. So Bomber fans should be very happy and excited to see Jake Thomas back for another year in blue and gold. John, you know your beard is better than his, though, right? Like, you're, you're solid in that. <laughs> that's fair. At least that's what I tell myself. There you go. Uh, you have your insider talk up on 3Down Nation, and this quote drew my eye. from uh, These are all, all from unnamed people in the uh, Canadian Football League, and, and however much you, you want to reveal or not reveal about the person who, who said this, this is the quote. The ratio drives me crazy sometimes. We're paying way too much to Canadian receivers who have never had more than 750 yards and Canadian offensive linemen who rarely play. Uh, that's a song that, that I hear, honestly, a fair bit within the Canadian Football League, and I hear it from American coaches or American personnel people who, who rue the fact that Canadians make money in, in the Canadian Football League. However much of that you want to take with it, what's your overall impression of that quote? Well, I mean, my, my personal opinion it has always been very much in support of the ratio. But, you know, as you alluded to, there there is a consensus among certain people around the league in various roles who maybe don't see it that way, who are critics of, of the ratio. And I do think it's, you know, for, from just the standpoint of, of looking at the numbers, a reasonable argument to make. I mean, I'll, I'll use the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as an example since we started with them off the top. The highest paid receiver in Winnipeg this past season was Nick Dembski. And Nick Dembski had a great year, but head-to-head, would you rather have Nick Dembski or Kenny Lawler? I think the answer is Kenny Lawler, with all due respect to Nick Dembski. And that that does happen around different places. Another example is you know Willie Jefferson and Kwaku Boateng were the two highest paid defensive ends in the CFL this past year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kwaku Boateng, you know, he, he maybe had a bit of a down year. But who would you rather have, right? You'd rather take Willie, but you'd have to pay Boateng more because he's got the Canadian passport. So I do see the frustration from from the American side, be it players, agents, you know, personnel guys, coaches, whatever. Because you know, if you're a player and you're looking at it and going, okay, I, you know, I just have my first thousand yard season. If you're an American, you might still be depending on the team and and fit and budget and all those things. You might still only be in that, you know, 80 to 120 bracket. Whereas if you're a, a Canadian who has a thousand yard receiving season, all of a sudden, like, like the bidding starts at 150. And if you're, you know, making Lamar Durant money, you could be up in the 175 to 200 range. So there are two different budgets. There are two different, you know, uh, uh, um, brackets, so to speak, in terms of how players make money. And it is true that some Canadian players make a lot more than their, their American counterparts. Not always, but it's yeah. sometimes true. Well, and that you, Canadians make more and you, they don't play as much. You make the point about thousand yard receivers. Ricky Collins was essentially out of the league after having a thousand yard season as an American receiver. It it, it is it is weird and sometimes, but here's the thing I, I came to it. It struck me when I read that quote in your column of uh, we're paying Canadians too much money. I, I thought 
well, why don't you change that? Because I look at this and go, well, there's <laughs> ways to change that. I, you don't have to, I, and I ran this analysis back in, in 2019, no surprise, interior offensive lineman, predominantly Canadian, uh, of the 172 starts in the Canadian football league in 2019, uh, at left guard, 171 of them were Canadian, right? Left guard, center, right guard, field side, wide receiver, nose tackle, safety. Those are, those are Canadian spots. So if you are, you know, nine teams bidding for Canadian safeties, the price is going to get run up on you. The thing I look at that and go is, okay, well, why don't you put your Canadians somewhere else then where they're not as valuable and you could pay them less because there's less competition for their services? Well, that's an excellent point. I mean, our Arjun Colhoun, you know, is a starting caliber corner, went to Toronto for a song. Um, you know, they, I think it's becoming a little bit more in vogue to have pass rushers starting as Canadians, whether you want to look at Boateng, as mentioned earlier, or guys like Matthew Batts, Robbie Smith around the league. But but you're right. And there are personnel people who will tell you that in the draft, they're really excited to not focus on getting an interior O-lineman with their first pick or or drafting that receiver in the second round because they feel like there's better talent available if you're willing to take a player at a non-traditional position. And the other thing I'll say, DT, is is the, the way in which contracts are slotted for Canadian players coming out of the draft now mm-hmm. changes a lot. It used to be that if you were the first overall pick, you, you'd almost be making a hundred grand in your first year. And by the third year of your deal, you'd be making like 105, 110. Now the money's basically limited. Even if you're the first round pick, you have to sign for three years, but even with bonuses incentives, you're not hitting a hundred. And a lot of times you're, you're even under 80. And I'll get, I'll use the BC lions as a perfect example. They got Jordan Williams, who was sensational in 2021. Yes. He signed for two more years, making no more than 80,000. And they've got Nathan Rourke, who they scooped up in the second round of the draft two years ago. He's under contract for another two years, and he could be their starter next year. If you have a starting quarterback who's making 80 Gs, and you've got a starting caliber middle linebacker who's a ratio breaker making 80 Gs, like that completely opens up your your cap to do all kinds of other things and, and really, really add to your roster elsewhere. So I agree with you, GT. If you get creative, if you draft well, there's ways to avoid overpaying for Canadian talent at traditional positions. Well, and and since you mentioned BC, as we talked to John Hodge of Three Down Nation, BC is a tremendous example. And you would be more connected to the numbers uh, than I am. Uh, you talk to more people within the league. But they just re-signed Suk Chung, who for a while was reportedly making over $200,000 to play guard. And I look at that and go, you know what you could do? is get an American to play guard for, at the time, $55,000, $65,000, whatever the league minimum is, and plop a Canadian somewhere else, and all of a sudden you you save you know two hundred minus your other Canadian on the cap. A guy like Micah Tights, according to your reporting, went for one fifteen. I go, there are there are solutions to this overpaying for Canadians, and here here's here's what I would do. My running back has to be Canadian. If I'm in the Canadian Football League, my running back absolutely has to be Canadian. I take an interior offensive lineman, I make him American because I can find a guard in America pretty easily and I can pay him 65 grand instead of 165 grand. And right off the bat, I am far ahead of where I would be. 
I think that's clever. And and it's it's basic economics, right? If everybody's doing one thing, do it, the other. It, it's often best to to exactly when when somebody else yins, you have to yang, and that's 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 a good strategy. I think largely we, we've seen teams certainly in the last kind of renaissance of Canadian running backs that you know, and and we'll see if Andrew Harris is back, but. You know, Jerome Messam, John Cornish, Andrew Harris did amazing things as Canadian running backs. And that was coming off a generation with, I want to say Sean Millington was really the only impactful Canadian mm. running back, you know, who started long periods of time for different teams in that previous generation. Before that, it was it, like you were going back to Normie Kwong, right, in the 1950s to look for like impactful, like all-star caliber Canadian running backs. So certainly, and, 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 Look, like like running back is especially in the CFL right now, not a position where there's a lot of money. I think Andrew Harris was the only one uh, outside of William Stanback making six figures this past year. So if you if you can scoop up a Sean Thomas Erlington or if you could scoop up a Johnny Augustine or a Keenan LaFrance or somebody who you think can, can do a good job starting for you and carrying the ball, whatever it is, 8, 10, 12, 15 times a game, absolutely. You can save money at that position and save money at a corresponding position where you're getting that relief with the ratio. Well, and I mean, you saw it firsthand in Winnipeg, right? When Andrew Harris was down, Brady Oliveira had a superstar first game. Johnny Augustine did exact in the two games against the, uh, in two games against the riders in 2019, Johnny Augustine did everything Andrew Harris would have done. And you go, Oh, okay. Well, I could, uh, Canadian running backs can be a real thing. The two teams in the Grey Cup the last two years have a wealth of Canadian running backs. So maybe, uh, maybe I can go Canadian in a non traditional spot. Maybe both my linebackers, Toronto went both their linebackers Canadian. It was, granted, it was Judge and Mwamba, but maybe both my linebackers could be Canadian and I could use my Americans in the in the pass game as opposed to in run support uh, i just i i see that i see the beef that uh, that your your source had in in the column and i think yeah i i feel like you're american i feel like i've heard this from brandon banks before and i feel like if it's a problem you can change the system you can as we talked as we said you can you can zag when every other buddy everyone else is zigging there there's ways to get around this but ultimately if you have to have 7/10 canadians those guys are going to be prized and they're going to get paid more money because that's the Canadian football league. And we want to keep it Canadian. Well, and the, the running back spot is one that, that traditionally <laughs> is rarely addressed in the draft. Like uh, I, I was a huge fan of Dion Pellerin out of Waterloo. He was a guy who grew up, you know, in, in, in high school was a star running back and strong side linebacker and ended up going to Waterloo partly to play running back and he ends up being a fifth round selection for Toronto running around on special teams. Well, you know, he, he, to me, Pellerin, maybe not as a rookie, but, but he's certainly somebody who could, who could make an impact at running back and potentially start. And he's, he's going in the mid fifth round. So if a guy like Dion Pellerin, Malik Irons is another one. Yep. He's a great running back at Ohio, you know, Kyle Borsa coming out of Regina with whatever it is four four speed, you know, unbelievable physique, you know, great production from, from the games that he's played for the Rams. He went, I think it was the fifth, sixth round for Winnipeg. And there's a great running back right in, in your home province there, DT, Adam Macker of yep. the Saskatchewan Huskies, who, yes, is undersized, but let's be honest. If you really want Adam Macker 
you're probably going to be able to get him in the fourth round of this year's draft easily, maybe as late as round six, seven. So if you were a team who started a Canadian running back, it's not hard to supplement that position in the draft because those guys just simply aren't that valued. And then you get the added benefit of getting them under a relatively cheap three-year deal and you can develop them behind your starter. Yeah, and then you could take a more expensive Canadian off your roster, replace him with a cheaper American, and everybody will win. Ultimately, it's it's a, it's a system that is designed to be unfair because we, we need more Canadians in the league. It's It's got different goals than let's put out the absolute best 45 players, uh, but it's what makes the Canadian League Canadian. I, I love it. Uh, John, I love your column. I love your insider talk. I love your work at 3Down. I appreciate you joining us today, brother. Thanks, DT. Anytime. John Hodge, Three Down Nation. Nice to be with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. 521, Alan Mitchell talks Edmonton Oilers with us at 530 in the cage. Back to the cage with DT and the panel. 620 CKRM. Afternoon rush. The Oilers play in Toronto against the Leafs tonight. No Connor McDavid for the Oil. He and Derek Ryan tested positive for COVID, so a couple of centers down for them. Puck drop at 6 o'clock. And the Provincial Scotties begin tonight in Assiniboia. 12-team bond spiel using the ABC events instead of a previous round-robin format. The 2019 champ Robin Silvernagel and two-time national champ Chelsea Carey are among the teams that have buys in tomorrow's second round of games the text line 306-936-6262 brian is not buying that i am one of the most handsome men in the world <laughs> which was entirely my point right farhan keeps telling people how good looking i am and i go dude we know that's not true it's nice of you to say it we know it's not true that is what chris jones to me was doing with stephen mcadoo oh he's good looking that guy is handsome oh and buff oh so buff the, the truth you don't know if you're in pro sports you're a coach you don't always have to tell the truth is is the lesson we should take away i'm the tallest guy in the room there you go <laughs> right <laughs> I mean, really? know? anybody listening they have no idea exactly exactly <laughs> uh god there will be no honestly when uh, when jones got hired at edmonton i thought okay sure i guess so fine uh, I am so excited because whatever it is about him, he just conversation just flows from him. Be it the things he wears, there there was a big deal. I was watching from from uh, Toronto at the time when the Diversity is Strength T-shirts came out, and he put one on, and he was no longer the the man in black. He had on a green Diversity is Strength T-shirt, and then he kept wearing it. Like we were talking about that. And I don't really know why, but because it was Chris Jones, like, oh, Jones is wearing the shirt again. Like, yeah, we're just talking about a guy's clothes that have nothing, nothing some, to do with anything. Some of those guys are just polarizing figures, and we love his accent. We love to try and imitate him and stuff, and I don't know what it is about him, though. You're right. There's just no one even close to that level, though, right, currently in the Canadian football league. Mike O'Shea, uh, no. Uh, Craig Dickinson is a great guy, but he's not going to – He's not going to set. He's not going to set the world on fire by doing something controversial or or saying something dumb. And isn't it good right? for the game in a way though, or at least good for the Canadian football league in a way to have a character like that? That's not a player. Oh, always. I it, it always is for sure. Mm -hmm. You got to have people talking about the CFL, and he definitely gets people talking about the mm -hmm. CFL. So there you go. What's and why suits would keep saying would keep evoking 
one of the reasons he would keep evoking Don Matthews, right? Matthews, I mean, was also the defensive guru, but Don would just say stuff. Like Don Matthews like, I don't care. I got a bunch of great cups and I don't care. I'm just saying what I want to say. And I'm going to look like I want to look and I'm going to, I'm going to bring in who I want to bring in. Um, Rick Campbell is, I mean, apart from, you know, goofing us with the depth charts for, for a season. No, Dave Dickinson, very quiet. Um, I, there's just no one like Jones. And yeah. And after him, I think you look at Craig, he's kind of next in line, but he's a few steps behind in terms of that polarizing figure, but he's probably the next guy in line for the ones, at least in Saskatchewan. Cause we've learned to know him now. Do you think there's anybody who would hate Craig Dickinson? Like I think it's Dickinson would be universe universally loved to, uh, uh, I'm I'm not I'm not inflamed by him either way. It's hard to imagine. He's just he comes across as one of those real likable people, and he's just, right. He's exactly. always so open with the media. He uses your first <laughs> name and stuff, and yeah. he's got that personality that you know you're just uh, driven to to go towards him because he's just so nice. Orlando Steinhauer and Hamilton the yeah. same. Whereas Jones, like if you told me if I ran across ten people in the street and five said, "Guy, I hate that guy," and five go, "I love that guy," yeah, absolutely, I get it. I 100% get it. And I don't think there's any other coach who who would get that reaction. And I mean, pro- I wonder, is that every sport, though? I'm trying to think of, are there hockey coaches for whom? John Tortorella. Tortorella, yeah. absolutely. He's 50-50. Love him or some love him, some hate yeah. him. Oh, don't flip the puck <laughs> over the net because that's bad for hockey. Malarkey. Yet, that's absolutely There's a whole nother group that will agree with him. Yeah. Uh Sutter, maybe Daryl Sutter in Calgary, maybe, but yeah, I see that for sure because I, I'm a guy that I, I just feel like I wouldn't be able to stand to be around him, but everybody says, Oh, he's such a great guy. And I, I don't know if it's the way he comes across in the media with his one word answers. Yeah. It maybe rubs me the wrong way, but I'm, I, I would agree with that because I don't see myself liking him, but everybody I talk to seems to love him. Belichick in the NFL. But then after that, is there anybody that you're particularly passionate about either way? Um, I, I yeah, there are very few maybe, characters but, like that. <laughs> yeah, but John Tortorella is a perfect example, I would say. Yeah. Uh, maybe any sport. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, it's it's it makes for a lot of fun. Anything that gets us talking about the Canadian Football League more and more, bring it on. So if they and man, if they somehow throw Nick Arbuckle over the side and go with Taylor, I can throw a ball through a concrete wall, Cornelius. <laughs> In the year 2022, I'm going to have so many of my priors confirmed. I'm going to feel like the smartest man in the world. It's going to be great. Absolutely fantastic. 527, we'll talk some hockey with Alan Mitchell of TSN 1260 and The Athletic. No Connor McDavid. I've called him McDavid all day long, right? I haven't called him Connor Bedard at any point because... <laughs> oh, I think you said McDavid. Okay, I just wanted to... Uh, just struck me. I might We're talking him. Oilers, right? We're not talking Pats. <laughs> correct, okay. correct. Uh, Edmonton and Toronto tonight. Uh, plus, the Oilers on the lookout for a goalie. Uh, Low Tide has some candidates for them as well. And there's a great uh, response from uh, the Oilers goaltender we'll have to talk about as well because uh, obviously his coach kind of said something about him and he, he spoke back and he had a... It was pretty smart, I thought. Miko Koskinen doing it upright. Uh, Alan Mitchell next in the cage. You can follow us if you want. We're actually quite social. On Twitter, search at SportsCage. 620 CKRM.
5.30 on a Wednesday. Time to talk some hockey, and no one I would rather talk it with than Alan Mitchell, TSN 1260 in The Athletic. How, how are you, sir? I am well. It's, uh, it's a little cold here. If you could send some warm weather, we'd appreciate it. <laughs> uh, what is, what, just because it's been absolutely toxically freezing here, what is the cold weather in Edmonton today? It's, uh, it was minus 27 when I was out. Uh, it's probably minus 29 by now. And not that the sun was out today, but if it had been, it would have, uh, it would have been in the minus 30s all day. It's cold. Okay, re- respect. You're having what we're having. Currently minus 32 with blowing snow here in Regina. Uh, high of minus 29 tomorrow forecast for, for the area. So we're, we're, both, uh, we're both living in it. I well, at least you're not in Uranium City, where I know oh, it's colder right now. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the province's cold spot. Just fill it in, Uranium City. I took from Twitter that Oilers fans were all jumping off of buildings after the loss to the New York Rangers. Is that the current status of Oilers fans? Yeah, people are very upset for lots of different reasons. Uh, Dave Tippett is taking the the brunt of the hits currently. Uh, but Miko Koskinen is catching up, and so it, it's neck and neck. I think Ken Holland is uh, also wildly unpopular. Look, this this team started 15-5-0, and and I, I don't think they were that good, and I, I certainly don't believe they're you know, as bad as they played in the last 15 games or so. So uh, they're in tough tonight for lots of reasons, which we'll talk about. But for me, this is a, this is a tough time for Oilers fans because they really did feel a lot of uh, fans felt that this was a year where they weren't necessarily going to have to worry about the playoffs. Eighth place was long gone. Well, as it turns out, it isn't long gone. It's where they're sitting right now. Alan, we've talked about is it time to panic in Edmonton for years now, but when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl and you've seen guys like Ovechkin and Backstrom, Crosby and Malkin, Taves and Kane get it done by the time they were the same age as McDavid and Dreisaitl, is this for real time to panic in Edmonton because of what's happened? Because I kind of thought, you know, maybe that 15-5 and five start was really who this team was this year. Well, I, I think there was a lot of reasons to believe it was it was on the right track. Ken Holland came in and, and seemed to have a lot of good answers, but he didn't have a lot of money until last summer. And then in the summer, he, he brought in uh, Duncan Keith on a controversial deal, but he also signed Zach Hyman. They brought Mike Smith back. They, you know, they, they moved some players in, like Warren Fogle. Seemed like they had the, the formula, if not surrounded, they were headed in a good direction now. There was a lot of reasons for December to happen. COVID, uh, some injuries, the entire left side of their defense went down, and their goaltending crashed. Uh, along with that, they, their, you know, their special teams weren't as good as they'd been earlier. I think this team can recover and will recover. It's a matter of is the coach going to be the coach and who's going to be in net. They are reaching a, a pressure point here, uh, and whatever Ken Holland does, and he's a patient man, uh, it, it has to be the right answer because this team is pretty fragile right now. We've known for a while what we're going to get with Edmonton's goaltending with the Smith and Koskinen situation. What's more dire to you right now? Maybe getting a guy like Brendan Perlini going and Warren Fogle, as you mentioned, or figuring out this goaltending situation? Well, I think the goaltending is key because they're, they're, they're so far away from where Vancouver and Calgary are in that, and certainly you know, Los Angeles and, and other teams in the Pacific Division. So they're, they're giving up too many goals against, even when they're playing for, pretty well. And a lot of those goals against start in the first period where they, 
they don't score, and the teams that they're facing always seem to score right away. So I think the goaltending is the key. Uh, I, I don't. It's a tough time to go to market. You know, you could look at Montreal uh, as, as maybe a possibility. Chicago maybe, but I don't know that they feel like they're out of the race yet. So it's a little early to be addressing goaltending, but I think that's the key. If they could get the goaltending taken care of, uh, and even get back to you know spending January winning one and losing one. If they get back to 500 for January, settle in, get them closer to the deadline, get them settled down. They're not as bad as they've been, but you can say that when you're 2, 12, and 0, or 2, or whatever it is, in the last 16, and nobody's really listening to you. Everybody's just panic-stricken. <laughs> Alan Mitchell, DSN 1260 with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. I, I was got, going through your article in The Athletic on this, what do they do about the goaltenders, and you identified five candidates that you looked at and said, okay, well, maybe these are potentially options for the Oilers. Uh, first up, what's what's holding up? What's keeping them from being able to make you know a, an easy trade for a goaltender? Well, the the teams that I mentioned, you know, Brayden Holtby's playing really well in Dallas, so I'm not sure the Stars would make a move. Same thing goes for Chicago. Uh, with with Montreal, I think that's a deal that could be made for Jake for, Allen. For, yeah, and and so I think that's one that you probably can talk about as as at least possible here in the next you know fifteen days or so because Montreal is going to be looking for prospects. The Oilers have some really nice uh, prospect in Xavier Bergo, uh, uh, Dylan Holloway. They have the first round pick in twenty twenty two. My my, w- what you hear is that a guy like Philip Broberg is is not available. Maybe Dmitry Simarkov would be available. So there's a line there where the orders won't cross, but I think for for the right player and and maybe right now maybe it's the goaltender in Montreal, you might be able to make a deal. And of course Montreal also also has uh, Ben Chirot is a pretty attractive uh, defenseman who might be available too. So maybe it's a bigger deal than just just for the goaltender. So if they go out and get Jake Allen, uh, Miko Koskinen is he's a UFA after this year and he's on what four point five million dollars. I assume Koskinen has to go out in a trade, but does anybody want him, I guess, is the question I'm asking. <laughs> well, that, there's two separate questions and two interesting ones. I think he has to go just because the orders have so much in LTIR, and they're a dollar-in, dollar-out kind of a trade uh, partner right now. They just don't have a lot of cap room, and that's not going to change. They've got a tremendous number of people on LTIR, including Oscar Clefbaum, but not excluded to cleft bomb. So it would be uh, it would be Koskinen plus for whomever uh, comes the other way just to make the money work. And right. Koskinen is, you know, there's been an exchange. It's a weird situation where uh, after the Ranger game, uh, Dave Tippett was caught in one of those uh, series of questions that were asked and asked and asked the same way, only differently. And he, he, he blurted out or, or said some things about Koskinen's effort that were, not too terribly complimentary. That's sort of uh, built a life of its own here, gone into day two or day three. And as you know, uh, when you follow a, any team at all, when you're paying attention, if a, if a comment from a coach has a life or has legs that are two or three days old, then it becomes something more. And I think we're in that territory right now. So the, the Koskinen situation may be untenable. And, and by that, I mean... Uh, I'm not sure Tippett will be coaching two weeks from now, and I'm sure not sure that 
Nico Koskinen will be the goaltender here in Edmonton two weeks from now. They've got a young guy named Stuart Skinner playing well in Bakersfield. You can see that you know maybe they call him up here. They've got a little bit of a break after the Ottawa game, so that might be possible. And Alan, I was just going to ask you about Stuart Skinner. Right now, is he a valuable trading piece if you can get a goaltender, or is he untradeable because of the situation with Smith and Koskinen? Well, I think in the right deal he might be available, but I, the perception I've always gotten about Skinner from his draft day where they traded up to get him, and to this day, is that, that there are uh, you know people in the organization that really believe in him to the point where where he is considered to be uh, a significant part of the future, as in you know possibly a starting goaltender in the National Hockey League. I don't know that, that his resume right now merits it, but this year and last year he certainly has uh, started to build something that looks like a, an NHL uh, goaltender resume. He's played really well. And in the 10 games he played uh, in the NHL this year, uh, he actually has done better than the two veterans. His save percentage is stronger, uh, and, and the team has played very well in front of him. He's a very solid goaltender. I know that anybody who saw him in the WHL would, would know this, but he's got reasonable size, he's very calm in the net, and he tracks the puck very well. So I, I think they probably, if they had their druthers, they'd keep him. Is he kind of in a catch-22 situation, though, because the Oilers feel like they should be winning now, and when you're in that position to be winning now, is it really the right time to be kind of giving a guy like that an opportunity who still needs to prove himself? I think I think maybe, but I also, I also believe at some level the Oilers are going to be looking to, you know, move Skinner up uh, into a, an NHL situation either later in this year or next year. Uh, Mike Smith is signed to a two-year deal, but he is, his health is, is like, you know, he's playing tonight, but they just can't keep him healthy. He's been day-to-day for months now. So I think Skinner is a guy they perceive as being part of the future, maybe even as, certain, as, as soon as uh, Mike Smith's next trip to, to injured reserve. But uh, I think he's down there to play. They want him to play. But if the goaltender continues to be sour here, he'll get a recall. He might even play the Ottawa game if Smith doesn't play well tonight. He's Alan Mitchell at TSN 1260 talking hockey with us on the sports cage. Uh, you, you mentioned Dave Tippett and who knows what happens in a couple weeks. I, I'm not, I didn't really nail down where the Mike Babcock to the Oilers first came from, whether it was uh, at some foundation in fact and that the Oilers have talked to Mike Babcock or it was just, hey, here's a move that would make sense. Mike Babcock to the Oilers. Is there is there any firm footing for the thought of the Saskatchewan Huskies coach to the Oilers, or is this at the moment just speculation from where you sit? It's it's speculation, but but there's you know there's so much around the Oilers all the time, and Holland is a, a, a now that he's been GM here for <clears throat> this is his third year. There's a he's a pretty open book like. When you interview him, he'll he'll tell you what he's thinking, and so there there, there are avenues maybe he's going to go down that you didn't anticipate. So I think he was asked a question about Babcock. I don't know if there was a follow up about another coach, but it sounds like there there isn't anything specific with Mike Babcock. I can see why there would be the conversation among fans or maybe even media because they were very successful together. But I, I don't see it as a style match, to be honest with you. The Oilers are not really a button-down uh, defensive time kind of team. They're, they're more of a freewheeling uh, style of team, which is not necessarily what Babcock is famous for. So I don't see the style fit. I understand the question, 
but I, I, I think they probably, at least in the interim, would probably look elsewhere. Yeah, well, I mean, Babcock is also relatively available, right? He's coaching for the Huskies as kind of a, a favor to a friend as he has a lot of money coming from Toronto. It just, it just people draw the, the simple lines. From a style perspective, this is, this is where I kind of fall behind, but, but why you don't necessarily think a style perspective, it would work with the current roster. Well, the 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 owners are built on on uh, high end skill, and Babcock's success in the NHL comes from uh, uh, button down uh, two way players. So uh, the the Oilers' style, I think, I mean, look, the Babcock's team scored a lot of goals, yeah. but uh, they're they're highly charged, creative offensive players they had while he were was there were guys like Marion Hosa who was also a terrific two-way player. Hosa was a kind of a power forward uh perfect, you know, winger who could do a lot of different things with or without the puck. The Oilers don't really have that. They they have uh, Nugent uh Hopkins who's a a good two-way player, uh Hyman who's a great four-checker, Poliarvi who's who's becoming that, but McDavid and and Dreisaitl, who are more offensive and more uh, they're they're deployed by the coach, the two coaches that they've had uh, to to impact the offense and and certainly to back check and to be aware of that defensively, but not quite as buttoned down or as disciplined as Babcock would have them. Yeah, now, having said that, that's me telling you what I think. Ken Holland might believe that's exactly what this team needs. I'd be yeah. interested in in. Uh, knowing his opinion, but I don't think he'll probably let us know here in the next <laughs> couple of weeks anyway. I, I think if a coach comes in and tries to say, hey, we have two of the three best players and maybe the two best offensive players in the league, and we want you to focus on some other stuff, I, I think the jumping off a building thing from Oilers fans is going to be real because <laughs> you just you, you can't, hey, you're a butter, I'm a peacock, you got to let me fly, is kind of how that, how that needs to work. Uh, for tonight's game, there is no Connor McDavid, uh, no Derek Ryan, thanks to COVID protocols. I feel like when you take Connor, and I'm, I'm, I, I say this having read the article on your website, I feel like when you take Connor out of the lineup, there the shuffling gets interesting into how you try to fill in that positionally. Yeah, it's it, you're you're just a different team now. You're you you have one line that that is going to score. Uh, that's the dry side of line, and whoever he's with. Uh, young McLeod will probably step into the middle, and, and uh, I would think that he'll he'll play higher minutes than he has in the past. And then after that, it's basically the third and fourth lines are going to you know try not to get scored on at all, and and the offensive side of it is either going to come from the the power play or the dry side of line. They just uh, they have twelve healthy forwards, so uh, and th- it's actually an opportunity. You know, you mentioned earlier Perlini. There's a guy who, Brendan Perlini, he shoots the puck really well. He's very fast, and he's a big guy. So in a game like this where they're looking for somebody, you know, maybe, maybe he steps up, or maybe it's Tyler Benson or, or uh, Young McLeod, or maybe Paul Yarby has a big game. They need a hero tonight. They need him badly, and we'll see what happens. But uh, I, I would say going into this game, I've probably got about a 90-10 uh, Leafs win here just because without the dynamic of, of McDavid, uh, the, the Leafs are really going really to have an opportunity to run the show for much of the game when Dreisaitl's not on the ice. Uh, in your opinion, what would light a bigger fire under the Oilers, an outstanding performance from Mike Smith coming back or, or getting some of that much-needed secondary scoring that we saw earlier in the season a little bit but has really dried up? 
I think if, if, if the one thing, even if they lose, if Mike Smith has a terrific game tonight, I think that'll mean a lot to the other players. They're, they're, I, I've, I've watched the others since the 70s. They are, uh, nobody's going to say it, but they look like a team that's, that's uh, waiting to give up the first goal, and then they play like a different club. They're beaten down. This has been a tough year for them. They get scored on all the time. Uh, I think they've gotten the first goal 10 games out of the 33 or so that they played, uh, and, and it's a problem. They give up a goal very early every game, and it seems to ro- roll from there. So if they got out of the first period tied, I think that would be a victory. This this team is, is uh, you know, they're hardworking. I don't think they, they've given up on the coach or the coach has given up on them, but they need a save. So I'd say Mike Smith having a stellar effort tonight, I'm not saying he will or won't, but I'm saying that would be a real confidence builder for the entire team. I I think you put it best on your website, Alan, when you said, Smith brings his Superman cape, something goes in off Perlini's ass, Oilers have a chance. I thought that was just, that was perfect. That's about right. I, I honestly think that's that's how you win. And sports is so dumb. Like it just is. Yeah. I, I I I remember years and years ago. I'll just tell this story because it hit my mind. But I, I was at Commonwealth Stadium uh, watching the uh, Elks and the Rough Riders, and this was when the the Edmonton team was just firing on all cylinders. And I can't remember the year, but the quarterback for the Rough Riders was a guy named Joe Seven Forty Seven Adams. Yeah, and the first half all went right for the Edmonton team. I don't know if it was 27-7, but it was, it was well past what you would normally think a blowout was going to occur. And in the second half, Adams had the, the game of his life, and I think the final score was something like 43-38 or something for Saskatchewan. They won. And so, uh, you know, if you'd made a bet at halftime, you'd still be a rich man. But those things do happen, and so... You know, I, I invite everybody to tune in. I think it's going to be a wild game tonight. It could be eight nothing, or it could be two one. But if it's two one, uh, the orders will be happy no matter who wins. Yeah, absolutely. So, Alan, thank you, man. Appreciate talking to you. Uh, very excited. You're going to join us on a weekly basis from here on in. That's awesome. Uh, I'm thrilled. I I I, uh, I want to get weather for, weather forecasts each time we talk because sooner or later it's going to get warmer in both places and it'll make me happy god it's been so cold for so long here that when it was only <laughs> minus 15 on the weekend we're all outside topless it was it's been that rough for us so far oh uh, man i was barbecuing on the weekend it was so nice god i hate you <laughs> thanks brother <laughs> have a good one alan mitchell he is low tide on uh, tsn 1260 you can read him in the athletic as well and he's on the western pizza hotline dinner time game time anytime great time to order western pizza ask your local western pizza location about their specials 549 why can't i buy a car next in the cage 620 ckrm is your source for the sports cage if you've got something to say call or text 306-936-6262 or call toll free 1-866-767-0620 here's your host Derek taylor Time for the sports ticker. Some signings to talk about in the Canadian Football League. The Bombers bringing back defensive tackle Jake Thomas. Stan Peters resigning defensive end Falerin Arimolade. And just crossing the wire now, Toronto Argos signing former Elks receiver Ernest Edwards. Edwards with a touchdown, but more importantly, he let the ball go over his head on Corey Vedvik's 75-yard punt. 
that went out of bounds at the five-yard line. Our 10th best play of the Riders' season because it just was. 75-yard punt. I think we're we were all jumping up and down that day. It wasn't just me, right? Yeah, even right? If, even if you have a breeze right? with you, that's great. <laughs> I love watching I'm those that. in person. Oh, they just get like nuked, and you're like, "Oh, that's a bomb." <laughs> yeah, it's, it 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 didn't change the game very much, but man, it was fun uh, in the moment. Normally, about this time of the show on a Wednesday, Ian McMillan, a bet sided, would join us. Ian's got the COVID, so he's been uh, uh, laid up for a couple of days and hasn't been able to watch much in the way of sports. Uh, Ian, certainly hope you're doing well. Uh, he'll be back with us uh, next week, we we presume. But uh, What's the line on that, that he's back next week? Do we know? <laughs> yeah, I think it's over under four and a half days on his butt at minus 120. Uh, it's moving to New York, moving to Brooklyn uh, not paying off so far on that front for Ian McMillan, though he is crushing the National Football League. Trying to buy a car. I had some, my first day of vacation, I had some maintenance done on my car. My car is a 2006 Hyundai with 230,000 kilometers, but I love it and it, it runs fairly well after some troubles in 20. I thought, I'm going to have some maintenance done. This is going to be great. After I had the maintenance done, I can't start the car while it's in park. And <laughs> and it's automatic? Yeah. You're supposed to be able to start the car while it's in park. So I, as I learned, if I shift to neutral, I can start my car, and that's how I have to start my car right now. So it's time for me to get a different vehicle. Yeah, that sounds like you're one start <laughs> away from having it blow up on you like someone wired it that way or something. Right? So I, I, I'm like, well, you know what? Actually, I like my car. I like the size of my car. I don't want something big because I find that annoying. I just want something small. And especially this time of year when I drive down Victoria and I see gas at 138.9, I kind of want something cheap on gas. So identified my car like oh man there's one there's some there's a new one here there's a used one at this other place i'm gonna look at that one so i i'm on monday i call this place and i'm like hey you, you have a 2019 version of the car i'm looking for uh can i have it like i am very clearly telling him hey you know what i want to buy a car and it's going to be 15 18 20 grand whatever i am looking to buy a vehicle and like well it it needs some needs a bit of repairs but uh we can make that happen so I, I phoned them back later today. Hey, can I come Thursday and look at it? Never heard anything back. <laughs> I don't have a cricket sound effect, but yeah, I'll play it for you here if I had one. So I'm like, okay, well, st stuff happens. Uh, Tuesday, I phone. Hey, uh, can I come look at the car? I left a voicemail. Can I come look at the car? Never heard anything back. I'm like, what? What's happening here? Why? Why can I not? I I've given you all the signs in the world that I want to buy a car. So. Tuesday night, I go to the the send us an email thing on their website. Hey, I'm interested in this vehicle. Here's my email. I get an email back from the salesperson I had been originally talking to who hadn't been returning my messages. Like, oh, didn't we talk before? I'm like, yes, and I sent you a couple emails. But up, but up, but up, is the car available? The salesman then responds to me, where did you send the emails? And at this point, that's where it all goes wrong for me. Because I've asked three times, can I come see the car? And the response was, where did you send the emails? 
Who the hell cares at that point? Someone's, I'm, I'm waving money in your face. I'm waving a $600 monthly payment in your face. Just sell me a car and figure out if your voicemail service is cracked up later on after you've sold me the car. Maybe this is some sort of weird sales tactic where they think they'll get in your head and you'll come back and be like, okay, I'll buy that $80,000 truck instead. Because <laughs> you keep well, going back and then you'll see this one. Oh, I actually like that one. Oh, it's 30,000 more, whatever. Well, and, and that's the thing. That's the thing I kind of expected, right? It's been forever since I tried to buy a car. Like legitimately, it was 2007. So I kind of expected to get upsold and here's some options and how about this and boop, boop. Why don't you buy this Ram 4x4 at $80,000? But there, there hasn't been that. It's been the absolute opposite. So I was talking to a salesperson today, and I said, well, I am I want to look at this other one, but they haven't returned my messages. And he, and he looked at me like, what, what do you mean? Because it just didn't, it didn't comprehend in his mind that a person whose job is based on sales and, you know, presumably, I assume most car people are, if not all, are commission-based to some degree. Your job is to sell a car and you make more money when you sell a car and someone says, I want to buy a car. What happened to the email? Who'd you send the email to? Who'd you phone? <laughs> well, who the hell cares? Sell something, me a car. Something went weird there. And I mean, I, I think they're strictly commission or at least a lot of them were. And they make their money on used vehicles. And you said this one was, was this is a new to you. So it'll be yeah used. So I'm, and I, so I don't know, like, and I, this is me. I end up going back into... Did, did I say something at some point? Did I offend somebody at some point? <laughs> They're in your head, see? But exactly. But if I offended them, I'd be like, if I was a salesperson and someone offended me, I'm like, give me your 20 grand and get the hell out of here. And you're not getting the complimentary oil change. But I would take your money. I'm trying to. So I've been trying to think of any other circumstance where you're trying to buy something. And this isn't like super premium, right? If you If you tick somebody off and you're trying to buy the the most exclusive model of Porsche, well, they're going to tell you to go to hell because they can, right? This is a common variety Hyundai used vehicle. Like this is not premium by any stretch. So I just and it like you said, it's in my head. What did I do, and why can't I I buy this? And I I'm halfway to just buying a new car. You're gonna like I said, you're gonna roll up in that eighty thousand dollar truck on Monday. <laughs> Because, oh. because of the mind games here, that's what's going to happen. I got the extra rims. I got maybe, the rims. Yeah, maybe they're actually brilliant after all. It, it kudos very, to them if they are. We'll see how this <laughs> plays out, yeah. It very well could be. Uh, my my efforts to buy a new car continue. It just At least new to you, yeah. Yeah, new to me. It, it just It's just so bizarre because, like I said, Drew, I'll give you $1,000 for your shirt. Yeah, that's, I mean... Would you? Was there any follow-up question? I, I, I don't to even that? care that it's minus forty outside. I'll I'll go home without a shirt if you're gonna give me that kind of money for it. Where did Where did you send it? What What time did you? Nobody. I, cared. I need you to text me asking that question at six oh five, or I, else I'm not giving it to you. I'm surprised you haven't got a text yet from somebody that's listening to this show that sells vehicles. Like that would, to me, if I was if I was a salesman right now, I'd be like, well, I'm gonna help you out right yeah, now. It's an opportunity. I'm gonna All reach you- out to you first. Exactly. And let's make this happen because I know already that you want to spend twenty. All DT wants is communication. I can bring you communication. <laughs> I I sent just as a final one. I, I sent a kind of an inquiry. I wanted to know it was a car online three months ago. I was looking at, and I'm like, oh, I'm curious what this actually costs. I got forty emails off of that one. I never responded to any, but man, that group just kept emailing me. I'm like, okay, that's that's what I expected. Uh, I'm just in an awkward awkward spot, and when you're an awkward guy. It, it kind of feels like home. <laughs> 558 News is next. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
Your source for everything riders, pats, rams, and more. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 604 on a Wednesday. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The text line is always open at 306-936-6262. Brought to you by the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. It's the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. Chase the Ace back with its jackpot on Friday at 4.30. Ticket sales until 4 o'clock on Friday. We're going to draw a winner live on the air. Don't make me choose. Be at home. Be at home to choose. Cause I chose the first time. My my fear is that I'm going to choose the winner. And the person will not. We won't get the... Remember how cool it was when oh. that guy was live on the air? $600,000? <laughs> yeah. That was unbelievable. Like, cause, That's life-changing money, too. Like That, right? that makes a huge... Mm-hmm change you and when you're live on the air you're like okay i believe this but if someone phoned you drew and said hey you won six hundred thousand dollars what would you do <laughs> yeah you know with all the scams going around i'd probably have a few choice words for you and geez if that ends up live on the air then we've got yeah. a, a viral video going on youtube come to think of it it could have went the wrong way you're right been I, I don't know how many free cruises i've won in the last year so yeah that's probably where my mind's going yeah as i understand it when you get on that free cruise the cra is going to have you arrested and then it's just a whole. Suddenly, schmongle. your credit card's been spent in yeah. twenty-five different countries. My social yeah. insurance number. There's something wrong with that, apparently. <laughs> I can just. Imagine, yeah, that's another one. I can just imagine you get you, Drew gets the phone call from Cindy Fuchs. He won six hundred grand, <laughs> and he just tears a strip off the nicest lady in town. Yeah. Bulls, get off my phone. Uh, no, I'm just trying to give you money. Anyway, Riderville.com and get your tickets for Chase the Ace. We're giving it away on Friday. Ah, uh, my goodness. Are you comfortable with where the riders are? Is our question of the day at quarterback. What's your ideal quarterback depth chart for the riders when they get to training camp in May? And it all comes off of Chris Jones doesn't think Cody Fajardo is a top five quarterback in the Canadian Football League. And if you're if you don't think you have a top five quarterback in the Canadian Football League, if you are the Toronto Argos or you are the Ottawa Red Blacks, you're probably not comfortable with how you're going into training camp. Drew, are you comfortable with how the Riders are at quarterback going into training camp? Currently, Cody Fajardo and Mason Fine are under contract for the coming year. Yeah, you know, the one thing I would say is obviously we're comfortable with Cody Fajardo, but the backup situation is kind of where I'm looking right now. I like Isaac Harker. I hope they're able to bring him back some capacity. I think he's proved himself, and that last game that he started obviously didn't mean too, too much, so it was kind of a throwaway game, but you've got to come into training camp with a guy that you know can at least be a reliable starter, but you've got to have that backup role. It's valuable. Guys go down with injuries just like that. Well, it was a throwaway game, and then the riders seemed to throw Isaac Harker away after he didn't play yeah. real well, right? Because first playoff game against Calgary, there's Mason Fine as the backup. The game in Winnipeg, well, Mason Fine is the backup. It's number eight and not number 16, and you go, oh, what, if if you're not having Isaac on the roster for the final two games of the year and Harker's set to be a free agent in February, are, are you really bringing him back? Right? As you shake your head, I'm like, I, I, no. I'm with you. And Well, I mean, what does it say to Isaac? I mean, Isaac's, you know, kind of been waiting for his chance and he got that kind of one chance. And, you know, it wasn't great. Well, he started but, the Edmonton game in in the final week of 2019, right? And true. won a must-win game, though 
did the defense win that game more than him? But really, how but many chances point, he had, really, to show us what he's got? You know, it's there's more to it than just one game or two games or whatever it may be. So uh, if I'm him, I don't know, I'm probably searching around. Uh, to your question, though, and I agree with Drew, I, you know, Cody's our guy for sure. Uh, backup, though, I feel like I want some sort of experience there. Like, I feel like the Riders need... Somebody that, uh, yeah, even Ryder Nation would probably agree. Like, you, you're you more comfortable when you know you've got a guy in the team, doesn't you know, age-wise, whatever it may be, as long as he's got some sort of experience and had has had some sort of success at the CFL level that, you know, if Cody goes down, the guy's going to step in and you got still a really good chance okay. of winning. I'm going to throw some names out. I just want immediate reactions to, to that point of ex- backups with experience. Matt Nichols. What if Matt Nichols was your backup quarterback? A guy who has had success in the Canadian Football League was beyond awful this past season on the worst team in the CFL. But what if Matt Nichols was your backup quarterback? I I think that's almost a dream situation. I mean, when I say you need a reliable backup, I don't mean someone who's been a proven starter. Obviously, it was a terrible year, but we know what he's been able to do in the past. But when I say backup, I mean someone like Isaac Harker. Minimal experience, but you've seen that he can get the job done when he needs to be. But So to me, that's like a great situation. And I know (laughs) where he was last year, but also I know where he's been able to be in the past. Abby, you had more of a focus on on experience. What What if Matt Nichols... Was the backup? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no to that. If he was our option for backup, I would feel comfortable having a guy that, like you said, has had success and has played there. That would be fine with me. He's just. He's not in any way a difference maker, right? Like he's just not a. He's not a guy who raises the ceiling. He. I. I think he gets you. He could get you out of a game. He's just not. I mean, but he fits the back. He in my mind fits that's the back. That's role. what fits the backup role. 100%, yeah. yeah. He he doesn't raise the ceiling. But if 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 Cody had to miss two games with injury. Okay, if it's if it's honestly Matt Nichols or Mason Fine, Mason Fine might have a higher upside, but I kind of know what I'm going to get with Matt Nichols. Uh, can I throw a name out there? Please, Chris, Chris Streveler. The Strevolution. Yeah. What about Chris Streveler? He's going to Edmonton. Oh my God. Well, the last we saw was <laughs> Paul Apolise wants him as the starter in Ottawa. Which, if that wasn't a story from some Streveler's agents, I, I don't know what it was. Um, Streveler can. Strevler can provide significant value in the offense as a runner, but he cannot be your starting quarterback. If if you get hurt, your third guy now has to be your starter, right? The guy who's on practice roster. So if you had Fajardo, Strevler, Mason Fine, Fajardo goes down, Strevler gets you out of the game, Mason Fine to me has to be your starter. I've seen the Strevler story. And it's it's uh, you, I can't throw it at, at a Canadian Football League level. I can run uh, with the best runners in this game, period. But I can't throw at this level. I just and I, I don't think he comes for the league minimum. Like I think he comes no. for real money. And if you for me, I don't want them to spend uh, honestly a nickel in in the season in which they're going to host the Grey Cup. A mad nickel? I don't. <laughs> I like that. I don't want them to spend a nickel over honestly the minimum. At their at their backup quarterback spot, or maybe it's a hundred thousand dollars. But I want that quarterback to be absolutely as dirt cheap as possible because one, if Fajardo goes down, they're not winning the Grey Cup, and two, every dollar you don't give to your backup quarterback, you can give to another position, 
and make that one stronger for a guy who's actually going to play. As long as it's not a guy where you go, oh, who the hell is this? It's someone that, you know, that name has a little bit of familiarity to it, then you're probably going to be okay, and that's probably an ideal situation. See, if if uh, Paxton Lynch, like that whole situation with the, the COVID, like I was so... I wanted to see him play like yeah. in in a real game like because he's got the he's got the tools. I mean, he's a great quarterback, no question about it. And but now is he going to be back probably not, you know? Yeah. And he would have been a guy for sure. I would have been super interested to see as maybe number 2. When when Paxton Lynch when we saw him in training camp and when you saw him in practice, you, that's an NFL arm and it's not like People might say like Taylor Cornelius of the Elks has a, has an NFL arm, but they only mean it's strong and he can throw the ball very hard. Paxton Lynch would throw with touch, and Lynch would drop balls down the chimney, and he go, "Ooh, that's all right." But it was always in a practice situation, right? Where he is okay, he's rolling out under pressure in practice, but he's not in his mind. He's not under pressure, so he's you know working at full speed. In a game, I would have been very curious to see him at game speed in an actual game with guys trying to take his head off because when you watched him in training camp, you went, that's that's nice, and that's where that excitement comes from. came from. What are your thoughts on Nathan Rourke? Has he proven himself enough yet? Has he shown potential? He's, He's definitely not proven to be a starter, but is he in that kind of backup conversation now? For me, I watch the CFL and go, as, as, a, as fans united, we fall in love with Canadians very quickly and we fall in love with running quarterbacks very quickly. And Nathan happens to be both of those. So we've fallen in love with Nathan Rourke very quickly. He, he had the one game where, okay, it was, the numbers were, were absolutely great late in the season. The first game against the Riders, he, you remember the final play against the Riders? Mm-hmm. He was scared out of his mind that he was going to die and A.C. Leonard took the ball away and ended this massive comeback. Um, I, I feel like anybody who says we need to push Michael Riley out and go Nathan Rourke is, is absolutely dreaming in my mind because Michael Riley is the best quarterback of his generation. And Nathan Rourke is a second year guy taken in the second round of the draft. Like he's got a lot of potential. I'm not convinced. I'm not just because I haven't seen it convinced. And Nathan is a thrower at the, at, at this level. Uh, people will say he is, but let me see it over 500 throws in a season. He's a fantastic runner. Let's not kid ourselves on that. I just, I'm not nearly as confident in that. So if I'm the Elks, uh, pardon me, if I'm the, the Lions, there's no chance I let Michael Riley get away because I know what that guy is. And it's a, it's an absolute mm-hmm. stud at this level. Does that mean that Nathan Rourke is kind of that perfect backup fit? If we're talking somehow the Rough Riders were able to get oh, the, yeah. But you, you just couldn't get I mean, he's a draft pick on a low salary. Yeah, there's, exactly. There's no chance he, but he gets away. Fantasy speaking. Oh, yeah. fantasy speaking. There might be, there might, that's the kind of guy I would want to see. And you could probably, you could probably find Nathan Rourke, the American version of Nathan Rourke, mm-hmm. if you really go yes. it. And teams, I mean, teams have nine, ten quarterbacks on their negotiation list try to find that kind of guy, bring him up, pay him 65K, and let's let's see what happens, right? That was the Tom Flacco, Mason Fine. That's all the quarter Justice Hansen before that. That was all the guys the Riders had brought in to be like, oh, who can who can be this kind of guy? Is there anybody potentially free that would that you would want to bring in? Uh Jeremiah Masoli, uh Nichols will be free. Dominic Davis will be free. Uh Dane Evans will be free. I think McLeod Bethel-Thompson will be a free agent as well. Is there anybody – well, Zach Caleros will be a free agent, but 
Not backup. <laughs> not not backup, and you don't. Cody Fajardo's yeah. not going to be. The I don't backup think Masoli would ever be a backup. I I don't. Most of those names, it would be tough to picture them as a backup. Maybe Dane Evans, I guess, but he played so well when he was called upon in Hamilton yeah. there. And I, I think he feels like he's a starter in this league, and I don't no. think he's particularly good at football. But that's I Dane Evans. Hey, I started two consecutive Grey Cups. I'm a starter in this league. He probably should think that. But then you go back to the original question, the conversation about backups. Would we be comfortable with Dane Evans as the backup to Fajardo? And if that was your option, yeah, why not? I'd, I'd be, be, I'd be comfortable. I, I'd be good with that. Yeah, I just don't. I'm just not spending that money because Dane would Dane would be a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah no. If that money could buy me a raise for AC Leonard and a raise for Duke Williams, if the combination was, I might have to let one of those guys go. And I get Dane Evans, or I get a guy like Mason Fine, and those two guys get raises. That to me, that's that's simple. Like because your backup in a perfect world, your backup quarterback shouldn't give you anything other than, hey, here's your mitts, and let's go look at the tablet together, right? Because your starter will play all all twenty games en route to the Grey Cup. So it's it's such an interesting question. I'm. That's why I'm so curious to see the Riders. We all believe it should be, and I don't think any of us doubts. The Riders are going Cody Fajardo full steam ahead, number one for the season. No, anybody doubt that at all? I mean, unless they start 0 5 or something, then yeah, for yeah. sure. But into training camp, it's Fajardo. Oh, yeah. It's we're all wearing number sevens and we're good to go. So, what, what will they do at the number two spot? And are you comfortable with Mason Fine, who threw eight passes against Hamilton in that game, including a beautiful scramble drill to Justin McInnes, but like eight passes in that game? Is, is that enough? Uh, to get you into a season, and I'll keep saying it, in which the Riders host the Grey Cup. But he got a little taste, right? Little taste. So he's probably working his butt off here in the off season because he know when he when he comes to camp, he wants to be even better and he wants to win that job. He wants to impress the coaches and everybody. So that that is his job, maybe to lose. So we'll see when he comes to camp. Maybe he is just blowing us all away, and we're like, okay, yeah. that's your job. And there was a pretty big battle for that backup spot this past year in training camp, so maybe he's better than we think. Very well could it was, be. It was a tight race for that backup position. If if Isaac Harker's not back, everything is available come the beginning of training camp in May. 6-19, plenty more coming inside the cage. On the sports cage, there's always something to say. So say it. 306-936-6262. Out of town, call toll-free 1-866-767-0620. Back to the cage with Derek and the panel. Look how it works out some days. It's 620 on 620 CKRM, the sports cage. And this just in from the WHL Four regular season games have been postponed and rescheduled thanks to COVID protocols. That includes the Blades and Pats home and home, which was to be Friday in Saskatoon and Saturday in Regina. So if you were planning to go to either of those games, the Pats at Blades on Friday or the Blades at Pats on Saturday, those games have been postponed. It says the WHL working with the chief medical officer, Regarding protocols, additional test results, doop -a -doop -a -doop -a -doop, and those games will be re rescheduled at a later date. I'm not surprised. <laughs> That's the world we live in right now. Yep. It's been almost two years. It's hard to believe. I was, I saw this article yesterday from, uh, on TSN.ca. It was Darren Drager on who's going to be on the Canadian men's Olympic hockey team. And I thought, 
what, why are you writing this article? I thought the NHL wasn't going. And it, and it wasn't, obviously. It was all the other guys, Devin Dubniks and, and guys who play in the AHL or the or in Europe, in, in Russia. And I thought, why would you go to the Olympics? Why would you? And I, and I wish I was joking, but I get going to the Olympics. Like, I, if, I, if I went to the Olympics as like the fifth alternate on the badminton team and I just mopped up after, I'd be like, damn, I'm an Olympian. I'd be wearing the rings. I'd be, man, I would just be the most obnoxious person about it. But why would you go to this year's Olympics? And you're talking if you're like a, a high-end professional athlete? Well, if you're a high-end professional athlete, there's zero chance. I yeah. would Like if I make $10 million a year and I might get trapped in China for 21 days because I tested positive for COVID, whether I was actually positive or not, and I don't particularly know, like China and the IOC do not have my best interests at heart ever. China, I don't know. The IOC never has anybody's best interests at heart ever, except their own. Why would I? If I was a lower level athlete, why would I go? Because it's your chance. You've worked your for chance. the last who knows how many years, I guess. What if you're 32, 33 years old and you'll be too old in another four years? And, you know, this is the first time you've qualified. And you've tried for, since you were 16 or 17, I guess. Well, I mean, let's face it. Hockey-wise, when the NHL is in it, you're never going to get a chance. So if you're one of those guys right now, this might be your only chance in your entire life career right. to represent Canada and play hockey and probably have a good chance at maybe playing for Olympic gold. I would roll the dice and I would, I would risk spending 21 days in a hotel room for my chance to just maybe play for my country <laughs> are you a hundred percent convinced you would get out of china alive and whether oh, whether from sure. the the, the uh, virus or from circumstances outside the virus are you 100 percent sure you're getting out of china alive yeah i'm not worried about it because the ioc will sacrifice you they will the ioc would cut your head off for five dollars hey we can do this <laughs> it seems on, we can do this on yeah. the coca-cola platform in Tiananmen Square, boom, let's do it. We're going to sacrifice seem, a Canadian hockey yeah, player. It seems like you can end up in prison pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, so as I as I was reading today, there was an article, uh, Ted Wyman of The Sun had an article about Brad Gushu and how he's kind of isolating at home and his family has to isolate his home. His wife staying home for, or working from home or staying home from work and his kids are, you know, they're, they're at school online because he doesn't want COVID anywhere near that might keep his team from going to the Olympics and they'll just be in Newfoundland and then they'll go to Vancouver for X number of weeks to train before they go to China. They're keeping it very contained. And I look at Brad Gushu and Jennifer Jones and go, you've both been there before. You're going again. I just Omicron hasn't been as bad as well. Hasn't been as I guess deadly as the first way first waves of covid but man it's it's just an uncomfortable time yeah i mean that said i've never achieved anything athletically (laughs) in my lifetime so i couldn't possibly know what it's like but i mean the olympics would be an incredible draw but this is an uncomfortable time for everybody it would be very difficult for sure because you'd have to i mean you would like You'd go play your game, and then you'd go back to your hotel room and hope that your tests are negative, and then go back to your next game, and then hope you get through it, right? Well, otherwise, otherwise you're spending 21 straight days um, hope, hoping that uh, you know room service is good. Hopefully there's not a bleeping wedding at my hotel in Red Deer, <laughs> which got the World Juniors canceled. Like, oh, my God. 
everything. It's just, I just can't get over how much the CFL lucked out. With with as lucky unlucky as they were in 2020, how much they lucked out in 2021 is remarkable when you think about it. Yeah, if the football season was played at this time of the year and this was going on, I mean, it would probably be a different story. Oh, well, I mean, the World Juniors, which makes... Uh, what's the guarantee in the World Juniors? Like 15 million bucks? They have to guarantee Hockey Canada. There's so much money around that tournament, and those, those are the some of the highest-rated broadcasts on TV in the country in each calendar year. And they and even Hockey Canada said, ah, you know what, this is more than the money, which does not happen, right? Like, oh, the women's tournament, that's all canceled. Yeah. But the World Juniors, that's going ahead. And even they said, we can't do this. That's when you know it's bad. They said that in Alberta. <laughs> that's when you know it is bad. Yeah. Or they perceive it to be bad. When they're willing to pass up that much money, it's bad. It's bad. It is. So I, I, I hope everything goes well in the Olympics. Uh, and I hope we know the truth about COVID from the Olympics because it's not in the IOC's best. With, with the WHL, with the Pats, it's in their interest to go, hey, one of our guys, has co- one of our guys tested positive for COVID. We're delaying these games. It's it is in no way the I, the IOC cannot flex its schedule for sure. And you look at the and you look at the Pat schedule. Most most weeks on a regular week, they maybe play Friday, Saturday. They might have the odd Tuesday. So there are there are days of the Wednesday week for the win to, to make up some of those games. So it's it's very much doable. But yeah, when you got a really you know short window to fit games in, like World Juniors, for example, um, yeah. I mean, the call was we either have to extend this tournament by a couple of weeks, possibly, or cancel it altogether, which is what they ultimately did. I I almost couldn't believe. And yeah, they were going to have to, they canceled one game and then they they were going to have to cancel two more. And then like Laura Dyke had said yesterday, probably more were coming. And that just affects the integrity of the tournament. But if it happens in June or July, are you guys watching it? I I found it hard to watch hockey in August in 2020. I really did. Yeah, I yeah I'm with you. It it was wasn't it? Because that I mean the Stanley Cup Finals ran well into the summer, and I kind of I didn't care. And uh, if if CFL football is on, there is zero chance I yeah. watch hockey. That's and that's just that's just me being mm-hmm. a particular football fan. But it's it's an uncomfortable spot. And God willing, they will not play regular season meaningless games once the playoffs have started. <laughs> I forgot about that. NHL. I, Thanks for reminding me. I think we would all like to uh, to forget about that for sure. 628, we are on the way out tomorrow on the cage. Glenn Suter in fine tailored suits. Arash Madani, Marshall Ferguson talks a little football with us. He's going to have some good stuff on the Elks quarterback situation. And uh, we'll talk more about this Pat situation and what's to be done in the times of COVID. Thank you so much for being with us. Sports Cage On Demand, wherever you get your podcast, please do subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating and review. A ton of you are listening, streaming. We appreciate you, whether you're streaming it live or uh, or after the fact, if perhaps it's uh, Friday afternoon and you're you know, huddled up in the corner and just enjoying some in quarantine in quarantine hey, catching up <laughs> quarantine listeners get early access to the phone line at 306-936-6262 we're out back tomorrow plenty more